Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brought to you by Sumner One. Guess what day it is? Half Hump Day! Good! Morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Danny Mack. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Good to see you, kids. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Good. I got my headphones on. I'm ready. I'm so prepared for radio this morning. You were not prepared, (laughs) Randy. You didn't have the headphones ready. You weren't ready ready with your little sounder of hump day. Let's go. I was talking to you guys. I was BSing. Let's go. Get with it. if you will. Big show coming up. We got a lot going on here, brother. Here's what we got. We got uh, Rivs coming up at 815, Jamie Rivers. Is he going up? I guess vacation for him is just doing the fast lane, huh? Oh, Oh, wouldn't that be a treat oh yeah oh no 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 no! i don't know I, I do not believe jamie rivers will be joining us for his wednesday hit next week oh, yeah. oh, so you he's, he's, he's yeah he's he's going the same way that, that most of the nhl is oh yeah yeah so, you can either go so to mexico or do the fast lane sounds like a guy that's really <laughs> thankful for his radio gig that, that, that's a hard choice hey, Dan. what hey yeah, he worked put, hard on television you know uh, he, he, he deserves hard, a break he's working hard on television there's no doubt about that and he's working hard on radio too uh uh-huh. you did say which one would you rather do the fast lane or go to mexico You'd rather go to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Can't blame him. And then uh, Robert Thomas is going to join us. We hear that he doesn't like the name Bobby Tommy. Or Robbie, Robbie Tommy. Tommy. Robbie Tommy. Robert Just saying, Thomas. that's what I heard. That's the streets are talking, Daniel. The mean streets of <laughs> Olive, where we're located. Oh, the mean streets of Creve Corps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's where I... Uh, that's where I formed my rap. Is that right? My, yeah, the mean streets. I'll bet you if uh, Rock looked really hard, he could find... You know, my, my inspiration... In my rap career was Ty, uh, and uh, yeah, we we kind of uh, worked together. Uh, and then of course Murphy Lee and I were on stage together. He invited me to go on tour, but I had to do it at that time the fast lane, and I couldn't go on tour with Murphy Lee. Did Murphy Lee say, "Who are you?" Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I, I I was wearing the backwards cap and the jersey, so I, he bought in quickly. Okay, good. Um, and then you said I was raised on the main streets of yeah of Creve Core. Yeah, and he just. Once he saw you dance and move, you know, he's oh, like, this guy's was... got more rhythm than anybody yeah. up here on stage. <laughs> he said, Rand DMC, I want to party with you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet man. he did. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he did. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthew's still looking. He can't find it. You know the Blues lost last night to the Blue Jackets 1-0? They mm-hmm. did. That, yeah. that actually happened. Yeah, it was not great. Uh, it was actually kind of bad. But this happens, number one, happens to even the best teams. And number two... The All-Star break kind of already started for them. From an entertainment standpoint, whether or not they lost, just an entertainment standpoint, 
that was as boring of a game that you're going to see in the National Hockey League. I mean, God bless both teams. I know the break is around the corner, but man, there were people that paid tickets to watch that. Yeah. That abomination. That was, boring. Was, it, was it an abomination? Can we go that far? I, I think it was. I, I don't know if I go that far. I think it was, Dan. It, it was a. You don't think so? Abominations I think it was just are a like lethargic game. It was not boring. good. Abominations but, are more. Or at least there's in like a morbidly entertaining part. Like, oh my god, I've never seen something that bad before. This was. This was. This is pure apathy. There was no emotion either way in this game. It was not good nor bad. It just happened, and you were there to watch it occur. Well, I think it was bad. <laughs> that's a, that's my. Opinion. I think that I feel sorry for the people who had to go see that last night because it was just a very lethargic game. And I understand that there's a break, but you still had a game to play. And this could be potentially a loss that there were, it was two crucial points, especially when you're looking at how things pan out here. Don't you think this could be a loss that you could look back to and say, Okay, we needed one or two points, and you can point yes. directly back to that Columbus game. Yeah, if game. you miss out on the playoffs by a point, yeah, you could look at that and say we should have won that game. I take it even further. The Blues are now. I went back and looked at this. They're three, four, and zero oh against four last place teams from each division. That's the Blue Jackets. Couple of times they've gotten the Blues. Ottawa, Chicago, San Jose. That's a potential of eight points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if your power play was decent in the beginning of the year, that's maybe three to five wins. It was awful. And then you have these losses against these, you know, teams that are in last place. That's eight points that put you in a playoff spot. Yeah. You'd be in. Uh, so let's see if we can boil this down. Was it an atrocity? An atrocity? Yeah. Hmm. A disgrace? No. No, I, no, really. No. Okay, so then, Dan, what do you think would be a great way to describe it? A shame? Ooh. It's a shame. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's just a shame they a didn't win that game. Yep, that, that works. Okay. Only the Blues and outrage. No, I'm not outraged. Okay. No. Bad reflection. Mm, yeah. Bad might reflection be... of entertainment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> might be too accurate of a reflection of the hockey team. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it wasn't great. They didn't get their tenth shot until 118 <laughs> into the third period. This, ha this happens. That now, actually happened. they scored on like four of them. It's a Columbus Blue Jackets, Randy. Jay, I know. Yeah, it's not great. No. Um, not great. No. no. Not good. So the Blues fall, and now they're off until, uh, like, February 10th or something. And here's the thing. Of course, it's fantastic. There there was a couple of games back-to-back -back where they also didn't have a lot of shots on goal, but mm -hmm. they were still able to win in overtime. Right. Do you think that maybe they've been just a little too reliant on goaltending that it kind of led up to this point? That's and Jordan Bennington was fantastic yeah. again, but at the same time, he can't do everything for you. I mean, he basically did everything last night but score for them. This is not a talented team. We talked yesterday about how the third line for, for most Blues, good, good Blues teams, the third line essentially is a fourth line, right? It's, uh, you got Hayes, Walks, uh, Nadab, who's, you know, fun. And you know, it's just, it, and then I think Toro was on the left wing. It's not, that's normally a fourth line. And you've got two fourth lines playing, so you don't have a lot of scoring depth. And this team just is not exceptionally talented. And that's why Doug Armstrong said, hey, I hope we can be in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference and make a playoff spot. To Brooks' point, they have relied on Bennington so much. And if you actually looked at the winning streak that the Blues had and you start diving into the analytics of hockey, mm -hmm. Not not pretty. No. They were just finding ways to win. And yeah, the, their goaler was outstanding. Yep. Uh, the expected goals. The the uh, XG, is it, for the Blues, not high. That's your favorite. Isn't that your favorite uh, out uh, of all the stats well, out there? Well, here's the thing. The, the expected goals people 
like expected goals more than they like real goals, which is amazing <laughs> to me. But they do. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, that's why I, I like expected wins. So do you go into <laughs> analytics of hockey at all? Oh, yeah, there's some analytics stuff that's cool. You're just not an analytics but, guy by trade. Here's my thing. If you are taking a high danger shot, okay, in the slot, does it make any difference whether Patrick Laleem or Martin Brodeur is the goaltender? Probably not. You don't think that Martin Brodeur and Patrick Laleem are love the, you Patrick think the same goalie? I'm giving you trouble, oh, Randy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. So that's my thing with analytics. It's very difficult for me to say that all situations are equal because sometimes you're facing Hall of Fame goalies and sometimes you're facing Patrick Laleem with the Blues. <laughs> Here's what I... Not a shot. What frustrates me with analytics and we can get into a deep dive on this i'm sure you probably already have can't measure what's going on in somebody's life no you can't i Mm -hmm. mean you may have a situation where the guy is having problems off the ice he's having problems at home he didn't sleep the night before might have been a wheelhouse who knows Uh does his wheelhouse still exist Okay, still there. It does. Okay. But these like are things you that you can't measure. The youngins over here. Yeah. Over well, here. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wheelhouse was like the star of Brandy, the Stanley Cup Brandon, you don't season. go to Wheelhouse? Obi Clarks was. Uh, after the season, yeah. Obi Clarks is always the Blues yeah. star. But for the youngins on that group, whew, they uh, they had some fun. But you can't measure them. those things. You can't. No. no. That's what drives me crazy. Or yeah. an early flight to head out to Mexico the next day. That's and then you're thinking about that. <laughs> exactly. So the Blues fall to the Blue Jackets 1-0. Uh, we haven't brought up St. Louis U yet. They lost to uh, Loyola of Chicago. They didn't lose to Loyola of Maryland. They didn't lose to Loyola of uh, Louisiana. They didn't lose to Loyola Marymount. They lost to Loyola of Chicago, 77-62. Billikens have lost 8 of 9. If you're choosing a Loyola to go to school, where are you going? I'm going to Marymount. I, well, New Orleans is pretty good. I was going to say New Orleans. I, but I was going to say Sister Jean with Loyola yeah. Chicago. Well, Chicago. No. Yeah. Highly, highly favored. Let's highly think blessed. a good city. Chicago, great city. Loyola, Marymount, great weather. New Orleans, great city. Have a lot yeah. of fun there. That's yeah. true. These Loyolas, they have it down, don't they, they man? They do. They've got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. Just have uh, your pick in the litter, basically. I'm so telling you. We, the Billikens, lost to Loyola of Chicago, former form, Final Four team. Uh, the alma mater of Maggie Hetty of our sales staff. Uh, but uh, this is not a team that should beat the Billikens by 15. And eight out of nine losses now. And you, you hate it when coaches get on the hot seat, but it's clear now that Travis Ford is on the hot seat. You know? I would think 10 games left. I'm not sure if they went on a 10-game winning streak, it would save the situation with SLU at this point. By the way, it is tough to be a college basketball fan in the area. This is one of the historically one of the worst stretches of college basketball in the state of Missouri. I went and looked this up. 12 and 38 in league play with the Division 1 teams. Ouch. And oh. SLU and Mizzou right now are 1 and 14 in league play. This is pretty tough to watch. It's really really bad. And Mizzou plays Arkansas tonight. Mizzou's probably got two more chances to avoid going 0-16 in the SEC this year. Yeah. I, I they had The Carolina games I thought were winnable games, mm-hmm. and then Carolina goes on the road and beats Tennessee last night. Yeah. Tennessee's so, pretty good team. Right. So 
It's tough. Illinois, by the way, 14th ranked Illini, knocking off Ohio State by a score of 87-75. A couple of baseball notes. The Baltimore Orioles being sold by uh, their owner, John Angelos, for $1.75 billion to private equity billionaires. You always want a private equity billionaire to own your team. Well, I guess if you're the Dodgers, it's okay. Steve Cohen... Yeah, you know, I mean, Steve Cohen. Hedge fund good. guys yeah. aren't bad either. No, not at all. No, yeah, they've they got, got some cash. Few dollars, yeah. Yep. Uh, but we were talking about this before we went on the air. The Orioles have this incredible farm system. They have the best prospect in all of baseball in Jackson Holiday. But that's not going to affect the value of a baseball team. What's going to affect the value of a baseball team is how much revenue that team can generate. They just signed a new long-term lease at Camden Yards. Uh, their situation with television is kind of iffy with Masson because they've always had a bad relationship with the Nationals because the Orioles didn't want Net Masson to televise their games. I think they've kind of worked something out there. But from a market size standpoint, Baltimore and St. Louis are very similar. The difference is is that the Orioles don't have to compete $4 with the NFL. From everything that I'm gathering from this... the Cardinals don't, I'm sorry. This yeah. seems like this is a good thing, that a lot of people oh. are excited about this, especially the Orioles, and for baseball in general. It's been a bad run for the Orioles. And John Angelo said last year, or during the summer, he said, we got all these good young players, but we can't <laughs> afford to keep them. I that, think that there's awful. been frustration with the Angelos family for a while now. It doesn't help that they, for so many years have competed in a division that's been the preeminent division in baseball, too. When you think mm-hmm. about the American yeah. League East and trying to com, you know, compete with Boston, compete with the Yankees that are spending outrageous amounts of money, I think that made it really frustrating for them, too. Yeah, I wonder, though. And their fan base. And I don't remember what their Forbes valuation was, but I wonder if the sale of the Orioles in a similar market has an effect on the value of the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals own the stadium, and the Cardinals are an historic franchise they have all the championships, which I think does make a difference, the history, the knowledge that they're going to be able to sell tickets. But on some level, I think from a market size standpoint, the Orioles value has to be compared somehow to the Cardinals value. I think every team that's sold, then every other team in baseball goes up slightly because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're starting to see numbers that are astronomical. And that would lend itself to saying that these teams, everybody's value is going up. Okay, one quick question. Do you agree with that? I I do. Yeah, they're always going to go up. Yeah, Every sports team is going to go up. One quick question, and we've got to ask Uncle Randy coming up. So when I was at the baseball writer's dinner, Bill DeWitt Jr. was introduced, and somebody booed Bill DeWitt Jr. Stan Kroenke has always said that his, not always, but he said a long time ago, that his dream franchise to own, having been named after Enos Slaughter and Stan Musial, was the Cardinals. Would you rather have Stan Kroenke own the Cardinals than the DeWitt family? No. Oh, the DeWitts. Yeah, I yeah. want the DeWitts yeah. to own it. Yeah. it's. I think you need to be careful of what you wish for if you don't yes. like the DeWitt family. Yeah, because you're in your own bubble here, so this is all that you know. But when you see some of the outside stuff... Yeah. 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 You, people that say we can't afford to keep our players or people that say you don't get into this business to win trophies. I mean, that's uh, you could always wind up with that person. Well, it goes to recent biases, too. I mean, the team has not been what you thought it would be the last couple of years. But since they took over, just think about this. 12 division titles, 17 postseason appearances. 
they lead the National League with 75 playoff wins, and that's since they bought the team. Mm-hmm. So you can't overlook what they've done. Their body of work has been exceptional outside of a couple years, and last year standing out the most where they have just not been competitive. You can't say that. They've been competitive just about every year. Now you can argue, have they gone over the hump to be World Series contenders? You know, that's debatable. Or how they spend their money, that's debatable. But in terms of what they've done, it's been pretty darn good. And this is just a fact. People will say, oh, you're on the payroll, which I still haven't gotten that check from the DeWitts, having been (laughs) on the payroll as long as I have. But the fact of the matter (laughs) is this. Would you argue that in 162-game seasons, the Yankees and Dodgers over the course of the last 15 years have tried to go over the hump to win a World Series? Because the Yankees haven't been to the World Series since 2009. Dodgers haven't won 162-game season World Series since 1988. Right. So Since the Kirk Gibson yeah. home run, they won the 2020 season. Yeah, right. So the, a 60-game season. Yep. So the randomness of the postseason does exist. It'd be fun to have all those really high-priced players, but the problem is, is the Cardinals can't afford to make those mistakes that the Dodgers and Yankees can That's make. the whole to me, that's the whole thing yeah. is that, you know, there is randomness in the game of baseball. Arizona was in the World Series last year. And you can't miss. If you're going to spend a lot of money, you can't miss right. in certain markets. And this might be one of those that you consider that uh, to be true. Yep. That's Dan. That's Brooke. And Matthew is here as well. I'm Randy. And we've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up. Here we are. We're a month into the new year. How are you feeling? Are you kind of meh? Is your job stressing you out? Do you need Maybe a, a different job or to retire. If you have a question for Just life Randy, advice, Randy. Uh, life advice is here for you. 314-399-9646 is our air comfort service text line. 314-399-YO-HO. Yo-HO. <laughs> Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. Time for Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text in. Matthew will have uh, your Ask Uncle Randy questions, and we're happy to answer any question that you have. And as we go along here, I might get off to a slow start because I'm... No, I'm just getting warmed up. There we go. But you know what? By the end of the segment, I'll be I'll be rocking and rolling. Randy, like you're already firing this morning. I don't know what you're talking about. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Not to 101 ESPN, I hope. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No. The Baird School. The Baird School. A bad man. When did you start giving life advice, Randall? Oh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Michelle suggested it, and I thought, okay, well, let's do it. So here we are. You just thought, what the hell? Yeah. Let it rip. Yep. Here we are. Uh, Matthew, what questions do we have for Ask Uncle Randy? Uncle Randy, what do I do about my kids always being on their phones? And it's like pulling teeth to get them to do something. I don't want to be like my dad when... When I was little, he hated 14 and 16 years old. Okay, my suggestion would be, and uh, I I can't tell my kids who are 26 and 29 to not be on their phone. Uh, Dan has young kids, and he might be able to better explain what to do here. But I would suggest have an hour of day of non-screen time and just put the phones down for an hour and try to communicate 
and try to get people to do chores, you aren't going to be able to keep them off their phone forever. Everybody's going to, even you are on your phone a lot. I'm on my phone a lot. But I think that would be a good piece of advice. As, a, as Uncle Randy, that's what I would do. Try to get an hour a day where we just put the phones down and nobody in the family has phones and we just communicate and we get done what we used to get done when we were kids. So Randy, I think on paper, wonderful idea. Uh-huh. Matter of fact, it sounds great. And uh, I have no chance of getting that done. No. None. <laughs> yeah. Jeter used to do that in it when true. people would walk into his house. He would just have a basket. You couldn't bring a phone into Derek Jeter's house. And so maybe that's the thing to do. Is to, he really he, liked he, baskets, huh? Yeah, he loved baskets. Yeah, he gave some so away. I love that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think it, it, it's worth a try. But I societally, Dan, you're 100% right. How, how do you, because... Our phone is our Encyclopedia Britannica. If the kids are doing homework, yes. they're doing research on their phone. Yes, they do. It's it's incredible. So I have an 18-year-old, 16-year-old, and soon-to-be 15-year-olds, and they are on their phones nonstop. It's how they communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just a different generation. I don't know. Maybe we should accept it and just yeah, say this, this is just the way it is. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah, we'll be able to do radio for a long time because we can talk. <laughs> that's, that's, is that going to be yeah. is that going to be the new thing? If you can at least just communicate right, yeah. with another human being, then you will really that's rise right. the ranks. A question for you guys for the parenting side of things, because I always find this conversation interesting. At what age do you think that kids should get cell phones now? Because I feel it's like it keeps question. getting younger mm-hmm. and younger and younger. Well, the beauty of the phone too is that you can find your children. Mm-hmm. So that's part of. You know, you you leave them at a park or they are at practice or they're doing a recital or wherever they go or they're over at a friend's house. You can put like Life 360 on this thing Mm -hmm. and you can find them. And I think that's important. So I can find my kids and go pick them up somewhere and Mm -hmm. understand where I'm supposed to go and pick them up. What do you think the age is, though? Is it 12? Is it younger? Brooke gives us the it's the great unknown. It's a great question, <laughs> but it is the great unknown. I've seen kids at five have phones. Yeah. Five? I, I think, really? Yep. Uh, Patrick really didn't care for a long time. He, he was extremely low maintenance and didn't need one. I think Katie got hers when she was in, in eighth grade, though. That's, we tried to wait until like seventh grade, yeah. something like that. But my, my kids are really busy. They play a ton of sports. Right. So trying to figure out where the hell they were, that was Gotta important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ask Uncle Randy. My wife is pregnant with our second child. We will have two under two when the new baby is here. Uh-huh. Last night, my wife tried to convince me we need a puppy. How do I tell her not now in a nice way? Uh, well, no, you do. You need a puppy. And you cannot convince me or her otherwise. Oh, you, no. you need entertainment. You've lost your mind. For those kids. No. <laughs> no. If you're going to be up at night, you might as well take care of both at the you same time. You have lost your mind. There's a, Dan... <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't have loved to have had Doug the dog to entertain a baby. No, Doug can go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, there's, there's nothing like I had like four a... kids in three and a half years, Randy. No! I yeah. didn't need a dog. No, you, were, you guys were doing rescues, right? That's, yeah, rescue me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, if she's pregnant, first of all, she's having a craving. So uh, happy wife, happy life. But yeah, a, a puppy is a lot of fun. And uh, the, I'm telling you, the, the kid... It, the puppy's going to wag its tail every day. The kid is not. So get something to make you happy. Yeah, get the uh, accede to the request for the puppy because puppies are really cute. You said get something that makes you happy. Doesn't yeah. the baby make you happy too? <laughs> 
<laughs> Uh-oh. What did, what did we just open it's, here? It's, it's, great, it's great to have a baby that turns into an adult, but it does scream a lot and it does cry a lot. It doesn't seem to be wagging its tail, metaphorically speaking. I don't think so. <laughs> no. So that, that's my thought process. I love this kind of self-awareness from this one. As a kid, I remember going out in the field with my dad and basically watching him cut firewood. It was boring when I was a kid, and now I have three kids. I'm bringing my five-year-old to the farm to essentially watch me do the same thing. Should I feel bad? No, this is uh, adulthood. And I remember watching a documentary one time about a guy who grew up in a field. And uh, remember, you you probably saw this documentary about uh, the the lightning struck one of the trees, and it fell down, and the guy made a bat out of it. Oh, and he put a lightning bolt on the bat. Yeah, the uh, one... Wonder Boy? Wonder Boy. Yeah, it was a great documentary. (laughs) One of the the great docs of all time. And uh, so, yeah, and then it it wound up turning into a thing because he made it to the major leagues. So... yeah, I would say that... Had no. a hell of an arm, too. Oh, yeah. He, he could have pitched, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think he ran into some problems, though. He could have been the greatest ever. Uh, could have been the greatest of all time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, it was a really good documentary about a, a guy who... Is this the guy who got shot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, wow. What a story in a documentary, huh? It was a, a really good documentary. So uh, anyway, taking your kids out to wa- have them watch uh, you chop firewood, there's nothing wrong with uh, becoming an adult. And you probably did hate it as a little kid, but now it's a little bit different. So it's all right. It sounds like a gentleman that loves the outdoors. And that is how a lot of dads or even mothers connect with their loved ones, their little ones, because they take them out hunting. And it's something True. that their mom or dad did, and then it gets passed down generation to generation. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a bad thing at all. I think that uh, what you're doing is a good thing. And it, hey, it's a by great the way, thing. Mm-hmm. If you have your kids uh, out there watching you chop wood, they're probably on their phones, and it doesn't make any difference at all. <laughs> Taking videos of dad and that yeah. he can't split the wood. Yeah. So look uh, at this. Yeah, that's. I, I think it's pretty cool. Get him a get him a wood cutting app. Yeah. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, I have a co-worker that is not living up to his slash her potential. Their social life is getting in the way of their professional life. What should I say to the person? Mm. Nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm living vicariously through you, is what you say. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, so no, if you can't worry about their professional life, okay? And I don't know how old this person is, but it might be at this point in their life that they prefer their priority is their social life over their professional life. One thing, and I like Colin Coward a lot. Okay, a lot of people don't like Colin Coward. He's he's very opinionated, but he made a great point a few years ago. He says there's job guy and there's career guy. Okay, job guy is going to the football game on Sunday, just getting blasted, staying drunk all night long on Sunday, and showing up late. Uh, on on Monday for work. Career guy plays it safe on Sunday, gets to bed at a reasonable hour on Sunday night and shows up at the job for his career on Monday. I don't know if that person that you're working with is job guy or career guy. And that makes a difference. If that person doesn't care whether or not they get whacked from their job, if that person is just moving on to the next job, if that's the person that is going to quit the job by not showing up, Big deal. Who cares? Right. But if it's career guy, then you got to say, okay, if you want to have a career in this business, in this business, uh, you are going to have to change your priorities a little bit and make sure that you are a responsible employee. Doesn't it matter, though, if this person is talking about being their boss or just a coworker? Makes, yes, yeah, it, that it, makes, it, it a, makes huge a difference. difference. Yeah, because if it's your boss, you just say, you keep it up, brother. <laughs> but if it's your coworker, unless they're asking for advice on how maybe they could advance their career, you just yeah. stay out of it. Yeah. 
I think that's always a safe bet. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, I'm invited to participate on the Golden Bachelorette, but I just met someone I'm interested in. Oh should I dump the current prospect and go for the old broad on TV, or should I stay local? You called her an old broad? Okay. <laughs> yeah. If I feel you, like it's going to be a bad start. If you have found <laughs> the one, then you pass up the Golden Bachelorette. And you can find the one in your golden years. You can find your soulmate. You can find the, the person that is your one. However... If this is just a fling for you, the the person that you're with right now, do, go do the Golden Bachelorette and have your fun. But the, the big thing is, is in your golden years, you can, out of nowhere, find the one. So I would say that you uh, you can do that. Can Ring. I uh, interject just for yeah. a second here? Do you get paid to do the Golden Bachelorette? I think you get paid a little bit. I okay. don't know. I don't know how much exactly they pay you, but I think they do compensate you a little bit, and then you get kind of internet fame on top of it i just dump the one chick and then say i'm gonna go make some cash on golden bachelorette and i'll find my quote-unquote true love (laughs) can we be honest do you think anybody's actually going on these shows now to find true love anymore i Uh, think there's some (laughs) true love for a night randall oh (laughs) randy what am i wrong well, because you're in this day and age of influencers Randall. where that's a career now. Don't okay. you feel like a lot of these people, Bachelorette, Bachelor, all go on that show to have internet fame? Uh, yes. Among absolutely. other things. Yeah. Okay. Do Bachelor contestants get paid? According to Stylecaster, contestants do not get paid to go on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. In fact, they aren't given many perks at all during production. Not only are they required to bring their own clothes, but they're also expected to do their own hair and makeup. No, mm-hmm. not their own hair and makeup. Yep. They they don't get anything? So how long are they gone for? I, n- I don't understand how any of this stuff works. I don't know either. And by the way, uh, okay, th- then there's other places on the web, so I don't know what's accurate, that are saying that they get paid $100,000. That sounds more like it. But th- because don't you get, isn't there like a, a, a minimum that you get paid to show up on like Jimmy Fallon or something like that? I thought that if you're on something because of union maybe protocols yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah that you have to get paid something but boy if you find true love on golden bachelorette there's no money that could pay for that (laughs) it's priceless it's priceless (laughs) what a beautiful love story that would be i'd love to see randy on golden bachelorette Anybody want to come over here talk to Uncle Randy? Got some sage advice for you. We'll be watching games. <laughs> no. You're like, Randy, we're supposed to be going on a date. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just watching this game over here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Uh, thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Randy. And thank you very much for your text to ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. It's always a unique segment. It's fun. It is. I love it. We enjoy it. Hey, uh, the Blues have... Ten days off before their next game. Actually, it turns out it was 11. Uh, should, oh. should we be happy or concerned about that? That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with 
Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The break's the break. Like, the break's ends after the game. We had a, we had a hockey game here to play, and it was two important points, and we let, let it slip away. That's Banning, Drew Bannister, Blues head coach, disappointed in the Blues, one nothing loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets last night at Enterprise Center. And we thought of this segment yesterday when the Blues had won five in a row, and we were wondering whether or not the 10-day break, because after last night, the Blues are off now until February 10th, we, we wondered if it was a good thing or a bad thing for the Blues to be taking this break. And I think now that you've cooled off and you've got this time to think about and reflect on the the five out of six, but specifically the loss, I think getting the time off and getting the opportunity to get people healed up and healthy is going to work in the Blues' advantage. Now that there's no momentum that they've lost, they lost their momentum last night, I'm not worried about getting some time off. I think it will be a good thing for the Blues to get some time off and then come back against Buffalo on the 10th. You see, I'm opposite in the way that I think that I'm sure they wish they wouldn't have this break coming right now, especially coming off of a loss like that, because that sticks with you, don't you think? I know a lot of those guys are going to be going to Mexico, and so you won't have to think about it as much when you're on a nice beach. But still, at the same time, that last performance will stick with you because you want to make that up, right? You want to get know. away from that. I think these guys put it behind them so quickly. I think by the time they got home last night, they weren't thinking about that loss. Totally agree. I think once it was over, it's over. You move on, and they're looking ahead to Mexico. I think it's just human nature, and it was a bad game. You throw it out and get ready for the second half. But it was it, that entertainment factor of last night's game was tough to watch. If you're just a sports fan or a hockey fan, that game was just tough to watch. It just wasn't a good game. I mentioned it earlier. The Blues didn't get their 10th shot until 118 into the third period. That's yeah. hard to do. I mean, you get shots on goal from anywhere. It that, was, that was hard to watch. It was team-wide, too, wasn't it? It doesn't seem like this was a situation where there were only two or three guys that weren't putting in exemplary effort. It seemed like a team-wide malaise last night. I think the other thing, too, is that as a team that's trying to get healthier with Perunovic and Justin Falk, mm-hmm. that comes at a good time. On the flip side, for teams that have been playing poorly, so teams that maybe you're in the the hunt with to get that playoff spot, like L.A. has not been playing well, the, this comes at the right time. This is a chance yeah. to like get away, regroup. So there's kind of the flip side of this thing, too. Button, right? Yeah, totally yeah. hit the reset yeah. button. And I do agree with you guys on that. I just still think that sometimes this sits with you because this is definitely a loss when you can look back when you're coming towards the end of the regular season and if you're going to be able to make it to the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm. This could be a crucial game that you look back and you can say it was this game that we lost where we needed those two points that could actually lead yeah. to you being a point away from making the playoffs. Right, but there are, I mean, the one that got the coach fired too. They're, they got Maruby fired. If, if these players do care about that sort of thing, the the three games before Baruby got fired are the same thing that you can look back on those. Now another point to be made here: we talk about Perunovic and uh, Falk, one hundred percent true. 
But a guy like Braden Chen, who has been playing so hard and playing a lot of minutes. A guy like Pareko, who's giving you 25 yeah. minutes a game now and is 30 years old. We, we know that he can play a full season. But for these guys to have the opportunity to physically decompress a little bit, Bennington... Uh, and Mentally. Totally. And just come back refreshed. I think this is really, really big for them. How yeah. do you think that Bennington felt after that game last night? I'm sure, as we mentioned, they have goldfish memories, and so you're moving on to the next thing the next day. But at the same time, I feel like goaltending has been the big reason why they have been able to win a lot of these overtime games, how they've had such a good stretch. And then he's the whole reason in that game that they were even able to stay in it or keep going. He did everything possible for them last night. And and when you see that in front of you with that playing out, I can understand if there would be some frustration there. And Brooke, I wonder if he's used to being hung out to dry at this point in his career because he has been so much. They have they have let him be the only player so many times during the course of his career, especially over the last couple of years. Man, it, he's got to be used to it. He's, talk about a guy who needs to just every game walk away and say, I, I did my best, and then hope that the defense is better the next time. Because how many times have has he played great but still had no chance? Yeah. And not just this year, but over the years. I think with the coaches, it may stick with them a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they get away, and after 24, 48 hours, it's like, look, let's just get away, clear our minds. I think with the players, it's done. Yeah. As a player, you can't sit there and let that sink in and go, man, for the next 10 days, are we going to worry about that game with Columbus? As much as fans may. Yeah. And that's part of being a fan, but the players don't do that. And I wonder if, if Banny will actually move some stuff now to St. Louis. I wonder how settled in he is. He's probably, he probably doesn't have a lot of clothes here, right? His family just came in like three weeks, a week ago, three weeks mm-hmm. after he had taken the job, he saw them for the first time in a long time. So uh, I, I would think this will be a, a convenient opportunity for him to maybe get an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more fun than moving during right, a time right. when you're supposed to be resting. Yeah. Now, what do you think that this loss does for Doug Armstrong? He also has to sit with this, and he has a lot of decisions he has to make before the trade deadline. Does this affect his confidence in the moves that he might make? They're still tied right now for a uh, wild card spot. I don't think the Blues can be affected by one game. I, and what do we have? Two and a half weeks before the All-Star, or before the trade, trade deadline, three mm-hmm. weeks? I think it's March 8th. Yeah, so I I think if the Blues are in the hunt, if they're within two or three points of a wild card spot, I don't think they can afford, literally, to bail on the season. I just, I, I think that we need to look at the financial aspect of this team and that they are in the business to break even. They aren't in the business to lose money. They aren't in the business to make money. But they making the playoffs is a big deal financially for the St. Louis Blues. And if they have a chance, I think they've got to take that chance. I do too. I, I don't think you bail on the players that you have in-house. Mm-hmm. But I, I also don't think that you're going out to make major trades. Unless it's a trade that's not only going to help you this year, next year, and mm-hmm. beyond. You know, I, right. I, in, I don't think they're going to say that there's one or two players that are going to put us over the top, and now all of a sudden we're a top-four team in the West. And they aren't trading a number one. No, they're not going to do that. So if there's if you're at the trade deadline, it's going to be interesting. He's kind of in a... He's kind of in a catch twenty two spot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Do you do you add maybe a player or do you give up a guy? Like I look at it as they go to the trade deadline, it'll be fringe players. Yeah. You, you you might help in what area that's deficient, and then the other side of it, you might give up a player that's kind of a fringe player yeah. that you have. And I say this with all due respect because all of these players are really good because they've made it to the NHL, but. 
as far as the NHL is concerned, the Blues have a lot of fringe players already. <laughs> uh, they do. I mean, outside the top line, there's yeah. some fringe players. Yeah, yeah. So it is what it is. So you just you have to deal with it. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Yo ho! I did my mandated one. <laughs> his, his allotment for the day. Do yes. you leave it next on 101 ESPN? You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. It's time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy. And this according to Mass Live in Boston, where they had some clam chowder. Uh, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones envies Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the New York Jets, even though Mac Wilson has played or Mac Jones has played in a playoff game. Uh, but Mac Jones envies Zach Wilson, A, because nobody on the Patriots talks to him, uh, but B, because <laughs> Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. Uh, take it or leave it, Mac Jones needs to go out and hang out at the Golden Bachelorette. Oh. Hmm. Zach Wilson. How old do you have to be? Mom's friend, right? (laughs) How old do you have to be? I know where you're going with this. I'm trying to change it. Uh, How old do you have to be on the Golden Bachelorette, Randall? You're 50. You're in your Golden. That's that's, that's what Zach Wilson's all about. So you think. That's a rumor, Randy. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. rumor. It's not a rumor. Brooke, what do you have as your take it or leave it? (laughs) Did we take it or leave it? Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have okay. to leave that one, Randy. Okay. Sixty to seventy-five. Sixty to seventy-five. Yeah, those All are right. the golden years. Go for it, Matt. <laughs> so take it or leave it. This is very interesting, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh yes. Here. Okay, go ahead, uh, Randy. Apologies, because apparently Mac Jones' girlfriend slash fiance is from here and family. Oh, really? Is here. Yeah, yeah. What part of St. Louis do you know? I'm not sure, but I know. I think I played golf with uh, her dad, and they were when he got drafted. They were going to the draft party. Wow. How about that? I'll I'll see if I can. So did they meet at Alabama, I guess? Yeah, I met at Alabama. Yeah. Very cool. So now you know via radio. So take it or leave it, guys. Uh, Jerry Jones spoke recently to Yahoo Sports about eventually employing Bill Belichick. And he said, I know him personally and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. Take it or leave it. Mike McCarthy will be gone after next season, and Bill Belichick, after sitting out a season, will be the new Cowboys head coach. Ooh, I like this, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, too. Yep. I, especially with that quote, I think that's what a lot of people were looking for. Is this something that Jerry Jones would even be open to? Here's a take it or leave it. Will Dak Prescott be a member of the Cowboys after this season? His deal Ooh, is uh, up, could get complicated, cap room issues, all that stuff. I'm going to... Leave that he'll be a member of the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to leave it, and too. And with all of this, oh, we don't have our machine up so that we can actually have... Get your popcorn ready. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Terrell. Uh, because their next quarterback is going to be Trey Lance. You think so? Mm-hmm. 
All right, you ready for my take it or leave it? Ready, Dan. Okay, we have 14 games before the trade deadline for the St. Louis Blues. Take it or leave it, in the past year and a half, this is the most important 14-game stretch for St. Louis. I'll take that, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to take that. Either you're in or you're out. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yep, and if you go 4-10 and in those 14? Adios. Yeah. Then, But who do you trade? I mean, who's worth... Who, who on this team is in a contractual situation and is good enough that a contending team would say, okay, that's the piece of the puzzle. You could, if you really squinted your eyes and you were the Rangers last year, you could say, oh, Vladimir Tarasenko's last piece of the puzzle, right? Ryan O'Reilly was having a bad year, but Toronto needed a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. I don't know that there's a team right now that says, okay, there's a player on the Blues that I could really use to put me over the hump. Bucinavich? You don't think so? Yeah. I don't. Gives you scoring depth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think he'd be on a top line on a contending team. No, I, I don't I, think so either. Is there somebody depth-wise, third or fourth liner, that would give you some grit come playoff time? That I would look more in that direction. But if you're the Blues, I don't think those guys that you have that can do that. You Like, do you want to move Torepchenko? That's the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Oh, I would not want to do that. What about Kasperi Kapanen? He has I, no value. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the only thing. I'm yeah. trying to think of somebody. Yeah, I'll do respect. All due respect. All due respect. <laughs> it's yeah. not disrespectful as long as you say that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Mandy, what do we got on the old text line, brother? Uh, take it or leave it. Moises Gomez will be the next Randy A. Take it or Garcia, Dolis Garcia. Yeah, he'll yeah, obviously he'll be one of those guys. Yeah. I'm going to leave that. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill going to be that guy. Tyler O'Neill is, yeah, I've been saying this from day one, and it's not because of the track record of what's happened with Garcia and Rosarena. Tyler O'Neill is going to have a monster season. Mm-hmm. I truly believe mm-hmm. that. And people say, well, now why? And can he stay healthy? Oh, watch. He'll be on the field when he gets near his contract. He's a free agent after the season, mm-hmm. I believe. And so when guys are in that free agency year, they find a way to play through difficult situations, physically, mentally, whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden you you just start putting up numbers. It's crazy how that works, huh? Take oh, it or it leave it. Next July, at some point, Bruce Bochy in the All-Star Game will put in an outfield of O'Neal, Arozarena, and Garcia. It's not far-fetched. No. no. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. That would be extremely painful, but I think we're all bracing yeah. for it at this point. Yeah, I'm ready for it. It's going to be rough. Uh, take it or leave it. The new $150 log wedge I brought will totally fix my short game. Oh, totally take that. Yeah. No, Wait, no, 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 no. What kind of wedge? Call it a log wedge, but I think he's probably going to say lob wedge. Yeah. Oh, a lob, lob wedge. Lob wedge. Yeah. Log it will change accident. your game. Yeah. Do you see uh, Terrell Hatton just uh, went away from yeah. the PGA and now is signed with Liv? How much did he get? 60 it was $60 million. Is 60 Terrell Hatton million? worth that? Does he move the needle at all? Is he going to cause somebody to go to the CW and say, man, i got to watch Terrell Hatton play golf? I'm getting more towards watching it. I, I watched it a little bit this past summer, uh-huh. Live Golf. Uh-huh. I couldn't follow it, uh-huh. but I'm, I want to watch DJ. I want to watch Phil Mickelson. I want to see Patrick Reed. Mm-hmm. I miss seeing these Captain guys every America. Saturday. Yeah. When I, I would turn on a golf tournament, well, really, I'd start on Thursday and be in and out and watch Friday, but then Saturday and Sunday, I'd be in. I don't watch live, but I'm less inclined to watch the PGA Tour because those guys aren't on it. I agree. Mm-hmm. And that's why you do it, yeah. because you just keep taking Ship ships away. away. Yep. Yeah. I don't think that merger's going to happen or whatever. That, I don't think that deal's going to happen. I don't either. Uh, it's going to happen this week. PGA is going to just... It's going to happen this week? Uh, I'm seeing reports yeah. that it could happen this week. Yeah, it was supposed to be December 31st. I think it's going to fall apart this week. 
I guess we'll find Ooh. out. I, I wonder though, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is, and, and it might fall, it might just ruin golf because sponsors aren't in, interested anymore. We've talked about that. So the Saudis, who have a lot of money, they're going to have to pay everything. All right. So you, they're going to have to pay for the purse. They're going to have to pay for everything because sponsors aren't interested anymore. Honda's out. Uh, Wells Fargo is out. After next year, Farmers is out. Some of the biggest sponsors on the tour that paid this money that we're paying 10 million are being asked for 25 million now for increased purses. And they say, no, well, we're good. So Saudis can afford it right. without a doubt. So, and you're right. That's the way it's, it may have to yeah. unfold. Yeah. So we'll have the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We'll have the Palm Beach Classic. We'll have the uh, the PGA or whatever it is uh, at PGA National. We won't uh, ultimately, if companies are smart, we won't have golf sponsors anymore. The other interesting part of this is that you have Live, you have the PGA Tour, and then you got to think about the World Golf Tour too. Mm-hmm. So you got to mm-hmm. incorporate everything under one umbrella. Right. And, the and World Golf Tour, rankings yep, are D- tough DP to figure Tour out. Is Dubai right? Correct. So, which yeah. It is going to be tough to figure out. Take it or leave it. Last night was my son's first Blues game, and he didn't get to hear that horn that sounds after the goal. Take it or leave it. I'm buying more tickets. Uh, Take it. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. You have to give him another chance for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love the goal horn. All right. Take it or leave it. When you finish in last place, tickets for opening day the next season should not cost $100 more than the previous year. I'm going to leave it, but opening day is the difference. And I hope that the Cardinals do sell out opening day because that's such a great tradition. And that transcends the quality of the team. Seeing the introductions, seeing the red jackets, seeing the Clydesdales, things at the ballpark transcend whether or not the team is great. Now, you can make that particular determination for yourself, but I would hope in our market of 2.8 million people that we can get 45,000 into the ballpark on opening day. It'll be sold out. It will. A sea of red. Yeah. Once again. I think so. Uh, you got one more? Man? Yeah, take it or leave it. The NIL has actually been a bad thing more than a good thing for college sports. Okay, this is interesting. I'm going to say that it has affected the quality of the product, but morally it's way better because athletes that were getting virtually nothing, and I mean in terms of working a full-time job, they, they go to school like every other student does, but they weren't getting anything to provide millions of dollars, billions of dollars for the NCAA. Morally, it's better, but in terms of quality of product, it's not. I'm going to have to leave it because the NIL, I think that we get so fixated on those very big numbers that we see for football players, basketball players, and all those other things. Gymnasts. But at the same time, the NIL, that whole umbrella that it encompasses, it helps a lot of other athletes. For the first time, they actually mm-hmm. controlled their name, image, and likeness. After schools could profit for it, if they want to put on a camp, now they can actually be more associated with that in that way and profit for it. So it helps a lot of different athletes, not just the big ones. But I think we do only see the big stories that come out of it. Maybe you guys know the answer to this. Why aren't other states implementing what Missouri has done for NIL for athletes? It's a great idea. And I think they will. <laughs> so it forbids athletic associations. So basically that's the NCAA from investi- investigating schools over perceived NIL violations. Athletes cannot be penalized by the NCAA for receiving quote unquote NIL compensation. Tennessee needs that law right now, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what in the world happened there? Yeah, all of a sudden the NCAA gets interested. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> How do you have violations in this day and age? I don't know. It's it doesn't a, make any sense. Well, Florida State, they actually were driving a player to a booster's house so that he could offer the player NIL money. And that's the thing. You aren't, according to the rules, you can't offer 
a player incentive to come and play for you. You can just say, we've got this great NIL setup. But they, the booster said, yeah, you're going to wind up getting $175,000 a week just so you can play for the, for, for the Seminoles. Uh, so you can't do that. You've got to say, oh, you know, you signed Did here. Did Edgar Wergeron become a Florida State yeah. fan? Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> tired. And from what it looks like with Tennessee, a private jet was used is is what I'm seeing. Have oh, you guys really? seen that with the report I, I that a private that. jet was possibly used to get a high school prospect in yeah. or something like that? And that's where there's so much like gray area with yeah. this where it's like, oh, okay, I guess that's the violation here. And we mentioned before we went on the air. It's, this sure feels like the Uri Collins situation, right? Mm. Allegedly offered $200,000 by Tennessee to come and play for them. And then basically SLU was forced to match. And you can't offer a guy $200,000 to come and play for you. Just no. as, to go into the portal and come and play for you. Uh, and, and so I could see the NCAA finding that one and uh, saying, okay, well, this isn't what the way NIL is supposed to work. But how, what, what juice does... The NCAA have right now. Are they, they going? Is anybody going to actually be threatened by the NCAA? No. 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 As long as you don't tell the truth, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Mizzou knows that all too well. We do. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> and thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, our fresh take. What's our Cardinal lineup heading into 2024? And later on, we want to hear what your Cardinal lineup is with mic drops and the text. But we're going to give you what our ideal lineup would be next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is time now for our fresh take. Guys, opening day is coming up right around the corner. March 28th, the Cardinals will be in L.A. facing the Dodgers. So this begs the question, what will that lineup look like for opening day for the Cardinals? And I'm sure everybody's going to start off with... Matt Carpenter, right? Is that where we're all going to go with oh, our lineup? Oh, man, I hope not. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So Mark. what is your lineup, Randy? Well, I, I'm going to uh, lead off with a guy who, when he was healthy, had a 394 on on-base percentage in his rookie year. I'm going to go with uh, Donnie Baseball, Brendan Donovan, playing second base to be my leadoff hitter. And by the way, we tend to forget that he did win the utility gold glove in his rookie year, too. He can play, he can pick it at second base. He can play second base. So I'm good with Donovan as my second baseman. And then... Because of where we are, we are the nutty neuters of Newt Nation. I've got Lars Newtbar playing left field and hitting second. I have Goldie hitting third, cleaning up for those guys when they're all over the bases. So those guys set the table and Goldie cleans it up. Arenado will be your cleanup hitter and play third base. Nolan Gorman is going to be my DH and he's going to hit fifth. Then I've got Contreras catching and hitting sixth. Uh, J-Dub. Jordan Walker is going to hit seventh and play right field. Tommy Edmond is my number eight hitter and uh, hits uh, plays center field. And then Mason Wynn, my shortstop, hits ninth. I'm in the same. I, I have really? basically the same lineup. Um, I did go back and forth with Newt Bar at the top 
and Donovan at the top. Donovan gives you that really good hard at bat. He's going to make you work, kind of like how Matt Carpenter did do that in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look at that. I also look at Newpar being a leadoff guy, though, and kind of sets the stage. It's just he's got to stay healthy. Um, then I went, so that's one or two. Then I went Gorman as my DH. I went Goldie, Arenado, four and five. I had Contreras batting fifth. I had Walker sixth. And then I look at Donovan or Nupar in that seventh spot, Tommy Edmond eighth, and Win batting ninth is my shortstop. So I've got some athleticism, got some speed in that lineup. Needs to be better this year. It's not like Atlanta. Atlanta's plug and play. But I think now in this day and age, we put so much into lineups. Honest question, does it really matter? No. How many lineups did they go through last season? Exactly. Well, injury is a big factor. Iterations of it. Yeah. You know, who's on the mound? You got a lefty, you got a righty. You got Yamamoto in game one for the Dodgers. <laughs> Good luck. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, here's my thing about it mattering a little bit. And we all love Tommy Edmond. But Tommy mm-hmm. Edmond had a 307 on base last year. You just can't put that at the top of the lineup. No. That's just not enough. And while I like his stealing bases acumen, he doesn't get it on enough for me to be able to justify putting him at the top of the lineup. In fact, I might hit him ninth and win eighth. Uh, Mason win last year in AAA, and we, we have a tendency to kind of overlook what he did, but he was really solid uh, last year in AAA. And uh, I, I don't anticipate that he's going to be the same guy that he was last year in AAA. But I think that he's a guy that by the end of the year, as an ascending player, if he is coached to the way that he can be, I, I think that Mason Wynn can be a really solid major league offensive force. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. That was such a small sample size mm-hmm. that we saw of him last season that it's just going to take a little bit of time for him. Now, yeah. my uh, can line I give you one of, quick yeah. note? Uh-huh, sure. 359 on base for Mason Wynn last year at AAA. 288 batting average, 359 on base, and he stole 17 bases. And an 833 OPS. So... Is he going to get there? No. But if he gives you a 790 OPS, it's going to be better than anything Tommy Edmond has ever done. And I think people will react when they saw Win last year. He had 137 plate appearances. Yes. Doesn't mean, that doesn't yeah. mean anything. Those are the same people that would have sent Willie Mays down. <laughs> <laughs> so my lineup is very similar, but I have two questions for you guys. So I do have Donovan leading things off, then Lars Newtbar, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, Tommy Edmond, Mason Wynn. Now my two questions for you guys, because both of you said this, what about Nolan Gorman at second base? I have a couple of problems, not problems, concerns about Nolan Gorman. Number one, I think Donovan's better because Donovan, as I mentioned, he won a gold glove. Mm-hmm. The other part of this is, is I think there's concern within the Cardinal organization about Nolan Gorman being able to bend over and play the field on a regular basis with his back issues. That might be a congenital thing. And I think the Cardinals... I know the Cardinals are concerned about that, about his ability to go out there and post every day because of his back at second base. I would uh, One thing I would counter with you, even though Tommy Edmond hit 185 last year as a center fielder, mm-hmm. that was it. If he gets hot, I'd put him at the top of the lineup, and I'm not saying all the time. I'm mm-hmm. just saying streaky. he's really streaky, and if he gets on one of those streaks, I may put him on at the top of the lineup just because then I separate my two lefties. So I have lefties right now at the top with Newtbar and Donovan, and maybe this is a way to, you know, stagger my lineup a little bit better than I have at the top of the lineup right now. And I'm totally cool with that. By the way, uh, and this has not changed for Tommy over the years, as a right-handed hitter, 296 on yep. base, as a left-handed hitter, 311 on base. He's, he, he is 
he has real struggles batting right-handed. There was talk that they had approached he and Dylan Carlson about just going to one side of the plate. Mm-hmm. Those struggles are real. Yeah, those are those are certainly real. But what about another situation too of Goldie batting second? We saw that at times last season with all the different versions of the lineups that Holly Marmol put out there. What about Goldie batting second? Okay, I had a lineup that at first when I put it down did have Paul Goldschmidt batting second. Ooh, so I want to hear this one. Uh, what did I do with it? Randy, go ahead and take that. No, I went well, uh, uh, Donovan or Nupar at the top, then Goldie, then Arenado batting third. And I basically, I just moved everybody up. Yeah. And at the bottom, I would switch probably my seventh hitter. So I, I would, there's ways to do this, mm-hmm. but, you know, Donovan, Nupar, one of those guys drops down to where probably Contreras is seventh, and I would just bump everybody up. I, I just look at, the career of Paul Goldschmidt, 897 OPS, pretty darn good, hitting second, but a 915 OPS hitting third. He's And I'm old school. He's the quintessential number three hitter. If you have guys that can get on base in front of him, and this is a guy who grew up, my introduction to good baseball was Whitey Ball. If you have guys that can get on base and run ahead of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, that's a better way to score runs and count on him hitting a home run in the first inning. So once I, though, roll over the lineup, I've got speed in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something to keep in mind if you've got Edmund, Wynn, and Newpar. Let's just say it's Newpar in front of them. You've, you've got speed. So once you roll over the lineup, it yeah. gets jumbled a little bit. So what yeah. will the fallout look like for the guys who are not in there? So we're going to have, specifically with our bench, you have Matt Carpenter there, Jose Fermin. Who else do you have? Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson. Where do they fit into the conversation? So you are going to have... A, including your DH, you've got nine. So you're going to have a four-person bench. Herrera is going to be one of those guys. Carpenter is going to be one mm-hmm. of those guys. Carlson is going to be one of those guys. If during a game I lose my second baseman, I can put Gorman at second base for four or five innings. If I lose my shortstop, I can bring Edmund in to play shortstop for four or five innings and then have a guy up from Memphis the next day. So I'm good with that. So I'm going to have Burleson as my other bench guy. And my backup middle infield infielders are going to be Gorman at second, Edmund at short. Yep, I'm with you there too. I think one of the things that you have to do too is that in this day and age of baseball, it's just not plug and play like Atlanta has done. Mm-hmm. Even the best teams in the game are, are shifting their lineups. You're going to have to find a way to get Burl some, some at-bats right. and not just keep him for that late-inning situation. I think it more so than not, I bet it's Carpenter late-inning, and you'll see Burleson before that. Well, and the other thing you can do with Alec Burleson, to get him 350 at-bats, you can, against really tough right-handed pitching, but and there's a lot of it. You can have him play for Walker. Yeah. You you, you can have him. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. This is his age 36 season. You you should probably sit Paul Goldschmidt once a week, right? Oh, for sure. Give give him some so time. Wilson gets four bats that of, that week right. give, or give that him day. Some time off of off of his feet. There are a lot of different things the Cardinals can do to get those at bats for Alec Burleson, and that includes at some point Lars is going to be hurt. Oh, no, don't he say is. that. He, he does. He, he gets yeah. hurt. That's just who he is. You don't want to say if, that. If Edmund is hitting, we mentioned Tommy Edmund's struggles uh, offensively. You can always play Lars in center to give a day off and then play uh, play Burleson in left. So there's a lot of things that you can do with Alec Burleson to get him his 350 at-bats. And then, as far as I'm concerned, you don't give Carpenter many at-bats. Okay. Newbar hit, or, or only played in 108 games. 
to your point, yeah. he's mm-hmm. got to stay on the field. Yeah. Just one quick question for you guys before we go to break mm-hmm. here. Nolan Gorman, is he an everyday player for you guys? No matter what. Even if you're not putting yes. him at second base. If he's healthy. DH. Yep. What about if a lefty's on the mound? I want Nolan Gorman to get 550 at-bats. Just see Be- what he can do against yeah. lefties. Yeah, because yeah. what what are my options if he's not playing? I'm, it's Burleson and Carpenter. So uh, I'd rather have that left-hander against a lefty than Burleson or Carpenter. So 550 at-bats for him if he's, if he's healthy. We get a question from the 314. What about Walker in the two-hole? And I, I think that's legitimate, too. Get him in front of Arenado and Goldschmidt, one to the other, flip-flop him, it doesn't matter. But he's going to see more pitches to hit primarily because he's hitting in front of those two guys. And he can score from first on a double. Yep. That's uh, that's the difference between him and a lot of guys is that he can score on that extra base hit from first because he's so athletic. So that's different to me than having a Goldie hitting second, where if Arnato hits a ball to the wall, Goldie's going to wind up at best at third base. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with uh, Jamie Rivers. Is he at the airport now? We'll find out. I don't believe so. Okay, we'll we'll find out next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We think St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Efforting our friend Jamie Rivers, our colleague here at 101 ESPN. Do we have him yet? Okay, we're working on it. I was wondering how the phone lines were in Cabo this morning. Uh, with <laughs> Brooke Cabo. and Dan, uh, I'm Randy. Rivs, good morning. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Everything's great. Okay, so the, the phone lines in Cabo are working well. You're already there. That was quick. <laughs> Oh, I wish I was there already, Randy, but uh, I, I will be in Mexico shortly. Don't you worry. That's my boy. I love to hear it. Uh, okay, let's start with a little hockey here. What the hell happened last night? Randy, I was hoping you were going to have that answer for me. <laughs> I mean, my God. That was, uh, wow, that was something. And, you know, yesterday we talked about it internally a little bit down, just down at the rink, and then we talked about it on the fast lane. I said, you know, this to me is going to be an important game to see what kind of makeup your team has. Because th- those games are easy to get sidetracked, but winning teams don't get sidetracked. Teams that are playing for a playoff spot, you know, they don't lay an egg in those situations. And it's a little concerning to me, I'm not going to lie, that last night ended up being such a dud for the Blues when, you know, they're tied with the LA Kings and the National Predators in the wild card spot. Could have earned two points and jumped ahead of both of those guys by two points. So a little concerning for me. Yeah, I think that that's very fair, especially when you're going into the All-Star break. And this could be a game where you could look back when you are trying to get the playoffs of trying to get that crucial point. And you could look back at this game. We were talking about this earlier. Dan pointed this out. They only had 21 shots on goal, nine through the first two periods. What What is going on there where it seems like they're just lethargic in those first two periods? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was lethargic or just disjointed, quite honestly. Like, watch, being right down by ice level and, and watching the transition game and the puck movement, like, it's like at times that they, they were allergic to the puck. It just was bouncing in crazy directions. They weren't making good passes. Guys were not available. 
And then, you know, the, the lethargic part is not 100% wrong because they, they certainly weren't using their team speed. You know, they're trying to gain the zone every time with perfect control and, and you know, with slow feet where they're not moving them at all. And, and then Columbus was doing a good job of standing up the blues at the blue line, forcing them to dump it in, almost saying, hey, look, let's see how bad you want this. And the Blues weren't getting in on the forecheck. The only guy that got anything going, there's actually, I shouldn't say that. There's about two or three guys that, in my opinion, played really hard last night. And Sammy Blay was one of them, Torchenko, the other, and Oscar Sundquist, the third. Those three guys were noticeable last night because they were in on the forecheck, they were finishing body checks out there, and they were creating at least some kind of havoc or, and at least making the Blue Jackets work a little bit. You know, Jamie, it's it's interesting when you have a break like this. It's on the positive, you get healthy. You know, you talk about a couple of guys that are banged up, Perunovic being one, Justin Falk being another. And then teams that are, let's say, struggling going into the break, they get to regroup. So it's kind of an interesting catch-22 when you head into an all-star break like this. Yeah, it is. And this is, for me, you know, I look at it in a couple of ways. Is Yeah, you're right. You do get to get some guys healthy back in your lineup. Um, but as a team, I would have liked to go in there with a six-game winning streak. And now now you force those teams that have been struggling to come out of the break, and they have to come out of the break winning. They have to come out of the break ready to go and, and not sitting there going, okay, it's like the LA Kings. Let's just use them for an example. They've really been struggling in, in the last 10 games. You've managed to catch them and be tied with them in the playoff picture right now. So the LA Kings, if they if they're two points behind the Blues right now, coming out of the break, they feel a certain amount of pressure that they've got to get going. You know, they've, they've got to try and get this thing righted. Whereas now, you know, they're still sitting there at the same spot, and, and the Blues are counting on teams to just be the same way when they come out of the break. It's not necessarily going to be that way. So. I don't know. I look at it a couple of different ways that hopefully it's a a little breather for the Blues where they can enjoy it uh, and relax and get healthy and then come back re-energized. Um, and then the same flip, the flip side of that, I hope that other teams don't do that. I hope the LA Kings don't figure some things out over the break. I hope the other teams that are in the mix right now don't come back ready to play really good hockey down the stretch to try and make the playoffs. Okay, Ribs, the, the question that everybody needs answered this morning is, as you go to Mexico, do you have a swimsuit picked out that you're going to wear? Oh, you know I do, Randy. You know I do. Every every time we can make a trip, I pick a special one out, Randy. So <laughs> this one here, um, this will be unveiled at some point in the trip, yes. Okay, so it's, uh, <laughs> I, I was, I'm not going to uh, request that you describe it, but if you could just give us a, a brief description of a previous swimsuit that you have unveiled so people can get an idea of what's going on here. Oh, yeah, Randy. Um, well, last year around this time, there was an unveiling of a leopard print Speedo that uh, made its way out onto the scene in Mexico. Um, <laughs> then there was also another uh, bald eagle Speedo. We I call that one the Freedom Bird. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, that made its appearance. And then there was another one at uh, my girlfriend's sister's wedding that made an appearance. It was just a Speedo with her face on it. And uh, she appreciated that very much. 
I love it. Okay, so when you return, we need to get the description as uh, as this one is unveiled. And uh, we wish you are, – are you going to be in for the fast lane this afternoon? Yeah, I'm actually in for the rest of the week. I figured uh, I would do some work for a change. And um, – <laughs> Then I'm, I'm headed out on the weekend for all of next week. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, we'll be tuned in this afternoon with you and Carrie and Anthony from 2 to 6. And uh, you have a great trip. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. See you, Rivs. Uh, that's our buddy Jamie Rivers on 101 ESPN. So the, 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 the eagle... The and, the, and the leopard print, and then his girlfriend's face. I like the girlfriend one. That is that's very sweet of Thoughtful. him to do. Do you yeah. think he plans ahead. his whole day around that debut that he's going to have of the Speedo? There's no doubt. You have to do that if you're a guy. Yeah. You and I are not getting in Speedos. No, Randy. we, are. we no, can't pull no. that one off. No, you, mean, you guys didn't hear about the Speedo calendar that's coming no, out of 101 no, 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 ESPN? No, no. I've not heard that. No. It ain't going to oh, happen. Okay. <laughs> no. That's for midday. That's for uh, BK and Ferrario and Tanner and Rivs and Anthony and the athletic sorts. You guys have to participate. Uh, for sure. No, we're good. So. Really? Yeah, no. We, are. Yeah. Oh, okay. we want people to keep their lunch, not throw it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> coming up, we've got the fight for you here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, you need a fighter? Uh, yeah, you took you took down Dan. He was going for a Hall of Fame, uh, a potential Hall of Fame opportunity today, but now it's just a regular old Wednesday. Somebody going for the first one. When's the last time somebody made the Hall of Fame? Uh, it's happened one time in my in my two years here. Okay, and it was you need to work on this. So that, let's define this. So you have to last have three spring, three wins in three a row. Three wins in a row. Yes. Yep. Okay. And it's happened one time, and I've been here for two years. Okay, we need to work. It on was this. last. It was last spring. Okay. <laughs> took a year. <laughs> I'm gonna have to quit trying. You won't do that. No. Well, we'll see. So anyway, if you text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, yo ho your name and the word fight, maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Drive Brooke Grimsley here alongside Danny Mac, Randy Kerker, and Matthew Rocchio, and it is now time for the fight. Our fighter today is Ro. Ro, how are you doing? Doing okay, Brooke. How are you? Doing great. And I'm saying that right, Ro? Yeah, yeah. My my real name is Ro Sean, but I just go by Ro. It's, it's right. a little easier. I like yeah. that. So Ro, are you ready to face Randy? Is this your first time facing Randy? Uh no, no, it's not. Um I've 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 gone up against him um Probably twice, uh, once in the last like couple of years. But yeah, he, he he beat me. How did you fare? How did you do? Um, you know what? Now that I think about it, so I, I got I won one day, and then the next day I think he got all four, and I got like one right. So. <laughs> well, you're not that the only happens. one. It happens yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I listen. I listen every day, so I I, I know you know only one Hall of Famer in Rock's tenure, right? So. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll be the second. Maybe. Yeah, let's let's do it. And thanks for listening. No doubt. Thank you. All right. Question number one for you, Ro. There are three players in Cardinals history to play 2,000 plus games for the franchise. Stan the man, Yachty, and who else? Is it Lou Brock, Enos Slaughter, or Ozzie Smith? 
let's go with um, Lou Brock. Final answer, Roe? Yes, sir. Okay, question two. Which Buccaneers defensive player came away with the Super Bowl MVP in their win following the 2002 season? Was it John Lynch, Derek Brooks, Dexter Jackson? Oh, can you give me those options one more time? Sure. John Lynch, Derek Brooks, Dexter Jackson. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I don't know this one. I cannot remember. So I'm gonna just go with. I'm gonna go with Dexter Jackson. That's a complete guess. Complete guess. That's all right. Sometimes guesses work out. Question three, please. Three original NFL teams were flipped to the AFC during the merger: the Steelers, Browns, and which other team? Was it the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Colts, or Houston Oilers? Cincinnati. Baltimore. Um, well, let's go. Let's go, Oilers. Okay. And question four: Happy birthday to BT Brad Thompson, our colleague. During the 2006 NLCS, which Mets slugger homered off BT in the Mets 12-4 shellacking of the Cardinals in Game Four? Was it Carlos Beltran, David Wright, or Carlos Delgado? Oh, man, I should know this because I know BT has talked about that before. Um, yeah, this wasn't so, the home run that hit the face uh, on the scoreboard. This is a different home run. So, oh God, okay, yeah, that's the one he likes to talk about. The, that's yeah, right. That that, okay, you're right. Russell uh, Brandon, I think, Wright. got him. You going, yeah. David Wright? Okay. Yes, sir. Final All answer. right, final answer. Let's bring in Randy. How you feeling, Ro? Um, man, if I'm if I'm being honest, I. I I wasn't 100% on none of those. So, I, you know, 50-50. There's nothing wrong with guessing. Yeah, I, that, 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 that was bad. I, I thought for sure. I, I'm a sports guy. I should know some of this stuff. But those those particular questions just didn't didn't uh, ring any bells. It's always tough. Randy, say good morning to Roe. Roe, good morning. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing this morning? Doing okay, Randy. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you very much. This is his third time facing you. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Looking forward. One time, too. Oh, looking forward to the tiebreaker here. Ooh. All right. You ready for question number one, Randy? Ready. There are three players in Cardinals history to play 2,000-plus games for the franchise. Hmm. Stan the Man, Yachty, and who else? I'm going to go with the base burglar, Lou Brock. Is that your final answer, final Randy? Final answer, Dan. You ready for question two? I am. Which Buccaneers defensive player came away with the Super Bowl MVP in their win following the 2002 season? Oh, man. Was it one of the Hall of Famers, Dan? You think it was like Warren Sapp or was it, was it Derek Brooks? Maybe John Lynch. Maybe Rondé Barber. Oh, Randy. Well, let's go with Dexter Jackson. Okay. Well, I don't think he's going to flirt with Hall of Fame election this coming weekend. Question three, please. Three original NFL teams were flipped to the AFC during the merger. The Steelers, Browns, and which other team? I think, Brooke, that it might have been the Baltimore Colts. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Colts who were in the NFL and moved to the AFC. Question four. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday to BT. BT. Brad Thompson. Is he today? (laughs) Not sure. Good question. 42, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. (laughs) 
42. He's 42, according to Rock. Okay, so I got that one right. During the 2006 NLCS, which Mets slugger homered off BT in the Mets' 12-4 shellacking of the Cardinals in Game 4? Oh, it was that first baseman. Um, hold on. Hold on. Let me think here. Played for Toronto. He killed BT. Um, oh, just give me the lifeline and I'll do it for you. Are you sure? Yeah. I, I don't want to take the time to think of it. Carlos Beltran, nope. David Wright, Carlos Delgado. Delgado. Mm. It was Delgado, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Dan, any reason for the, 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 the sound of consternation? Oh, just the way he goes about this. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I love I loved his reaction to question number two. The, the respect for the question was there. Yeah. <laughs> Randy versus Roe. Who comes out the winner on this hump day? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. I'm sorry, Ro. You hit you heard Mr. Buck, and that means Randy Carricker hit the jack and he beat you four to two today. All good. I, I can I'll live with two. I thought I might have had the zero. So we'll- <laughs> <laughs> you started off so strong, Ro. Let's go through those questions and answers. You got the first two right. The are three players in Cardinals history to play two thousand plus games for the franchise. It is in fact stand usual. Yadier Molina and the baseball guru Lou Brock. Ozzie Smith got to nineteen ninety. Um and, and, no, and nineteen ninety six. Uh no no, in total games played he got to nineteen ninety oh, okay. uh, <laughs> for the franchise. <laughs> Which Buccaneers <laughs> player came away with the Super Bowl MVP in their win following the two thousand two season? Randy's correct, it's none of the Hall of Famers. I, I tried to get cute there. It was, in fact, Dexter Jackson. Three no Randy Nickerson there, huh? What? No Chidi Ahanatu. No, no, none of Just that. Just stop, Sorry. Randy. Let him go on no to Booger, uh, no <laughs> question McFar- three. No Burger McFarlane. No, no Simeon Rice. No, no Simeon Rice. No Greg Spires. I think that was another yeah, lineman. That's right. Yeah, that was right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, three original NFL teams flipped to the AFC during the merger. It was the Steelers, the Browns, and the Baltimore Colts. The the other options there, Bengals, who came in as part of the merger, and the Oilers were an AFL team that stayed in the AFC. By the and, way, I, I was having a debate. Not a debate, just a discussion. You know, we talk about coaching trees in the NFL. I think every coaching tree is a Paul Brown disciple. I think every, I think Paul Brown invented everything in the NFL. Pretty much. So, first coach of the Bengals. Uh, happy birthday to BT Brad Thompson. During the 2006 NLCS, it was, in fact, Carlos Delgado who uh, caught him after, well, the entire Mets lineup got hot. Uh, Beltran had two home runs in that game. Anthony Reyes had a bad start. David Wright got in one off. Uh, Braden Looper, I want to say. If I'm not mistaken, though, the Delgado home run was particularly long. It was. <laughs> not Russell Brannion, but not, long. Not, not off his face. <laughs> <laughs> so a 4-2 win for Randy Carragher in the fight today. Ro, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Well. you. Have a great day. That Mets lineup in 06 was loaded, it man. Was great. How did the Cardinals win that thing? I have no idea. I mean, seriously. No, you look at that lineup. It was well, loaded. And think about the – it was such a young bullpen because Izzy was hurt. So rookie Wayno is your closer. Yep. But you've got Kinney, Hancock, Tyler Johnson. Randy Flores. Randy Flores. Yeah, BT. BT. It, it was a really, really young bullpen that apparently had no fear. No. Well, Wayne I didn't at the very end. I mean, it's still one of the most historic at-bats, pitching, hitting at-bats yeah. in the history of the franchise. Yeah. It it's was, still, it will go down in history as one of the best ever. It, it was epic. It was great. Yep.
Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we gave you our Cardinal lineup for the first couple of weeks of the season. We want to hear your lineup for the first couple of weeks of the season. You can give us a mic drop. You can send us a text and tell us what you would like to see Ali Marmol and the staff do in terms of a lineup early on for the Cardinals in 2024 here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. Brooke Rimsley here alongside Randy Character, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for our fresh take. As we take a look back, we were discussing this earlier. What would your Cardinals lineup look like? We told you guys ours earlier, but we want to hear what your Cardinals lineup will look like for opening day. So make sure to text it into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Randy. Oh, I, I was concentrating here. Let's start. Let's try this no, again. I think we're good. Let's go to the no, lineup. No, no, no. Let's, let's try it one more time, Dan. Good. Okay. The Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. That better? That was beautiful, Thank Randy. You. Thank you for that. So just refresher, go through your lineup. We'll start with you, Randy, that you have for the Cardinals for opening All day. right. My lineup for opening day against Yamamoto? Yes. Yeah. I think okay. that's pretty safe to say. Uh, Donovan at second leading off. Newt in left hitting second. Goldie at first base hitting third. Then Arenado, Gorman at DH, and Contreras behind the plate. Then I've got Walker in right, Edmund in center, and Mason Wynn at short. Dan? Okay, I, I've switched it up. Ooh. I've got iterations of this lineup all over the place. So I got Newtbar, Walker, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Gorman, Contreras, and then who else do I have? I need, uh, how many do I got there? I got to think about this. Contreras. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I need three more guys. Who do you got, Randall? Give me a mixture of guys that you like. I like Donovan up there, or back there. I like uh, Walker, or I'm sorry, Wynn, and mm-hmm. Edmund. There you go. There's my lineup. So, do you Newt like Bar, Edmund hitting ninth? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. So, I got Newtbar, Walker, Goldschmidt. Arenado, Gorman, Contreras. Then I'm going to go Donovan, Wynn, Edmund. Okay, good. And mine is Donovan, Lars, Newbar, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, Tommy Edmund, and Mason Wynn. Now, lineups, of course, don't matter that much, especially through the course of the season. We saw so many different versions last season due mm-hmm. to injuries, different things like that. But what would this lineup look like if Jordan Walker continues to develop in the way that we all expect him to? And if Nolan Gorman stays healthy, does that change your lineup in any way? Not for me, especially if I have Walker hitting second, then I know that I'm probably getting some type of protection from Goldschmidt and Arenado, and I let him hit second. If my lineup is that long that I can hit a hot-hitting Jordan Walker seventh, I'm just going to keep it that way. If I'm scoring a bunch of runs and everybody's hitting, I'm not going to change things up just to pacify or enhance the mental... uh, well-being of my young hitter. I, I want him to be comfortable and ease his way into being a superstar. I think, though, you got to take the training wheels off at some point. You know, you put him down in the lineup last year. Mm-hmm. Now you say, you know what? you got a year under your belt. Let's go. And you have to determine that he's better than somebody. Yep, that's to, true, too. Is he going to be better than Arenado so that you hit him fourth? And that could happen during the course of the season. Arenado sure. didn't have a great year last year. So you just have to determine at what point he becomes better than the person that he's going to be taking over for. And just to clarify, 
the opening day lineups that you guys have, that's pretty close to what your ideal lineup is for this group, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm able to stagger guys with my lineup. And I, I thought about uh, going Newpar and uh, Donovan at the top of my lineup, but I switched it because I don't want back-to-back lefties. From the 5-7-3, we get Newt Bar, Goldie hitting second, Arenado hitting third. Then Contreras, Gorman, Walker, Edmund, Wynn, and Donovan hitting ninth. There's so many things that you can do with this lineup. And that's a good lineup because then you got Donovan as your second leadoff hitter. And Dan, as you mentioned, you can start an inning with Donovan and Newt Bar ahead of Goldie, which that's- would be a pretty impressive threat. Yeah, that's what I had my second iteration of my lineup. I had actually Donovan hitting ninth. I I just don't want to put him all the way down there. I think he's too valuable of a guy, but he is going to give you a great at bat. And it is like having a secondary leadoff man once you get through that first time through the lineup. This is an interesting one. From the 618 opening day lineup, Tommy Edmond, and they have him at second base. This is very important Mm -hmm. to note. Goldie at first, Lars Newtbar in left field, Arnauto at third, Walker as your right fielder, Contreras as your catcher, Donovan as your DH, Carlson as your center fielder, Ooh. and Wynn as your shortstop. And he has Gorman on the IL to start the season. Oh, there you go. Oh, well, that's go. why it goes that way. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. That's that's interesting. I just don't love Tommy Edmond on opening day as my leadoff hitter. No. No, I, I don't think that that works. I think he's better down in the lineup. Um, and I, I also look at what he did. I got to look at spring training and see what kind of mm-hmm. off-season regimen he put himself through to get ready to play center field every day. That's a different animal than playing. And I'm not saying that shortstop isn't hard, second base, catcher takes a lot of beatings back behind the plate. But you're asking a lot of a guy that's played infield to go to center field and play, let's say, 140 to 145 games in center field. That's a lot. It is. And offensively, this will be his sixth season. He's 28 years old. He kind of is what he is at this point, Man, right? this is Tommy's sixth year? Yeah. Wow. wow. That, that does not seem that way. No. Now, Nolan Gorman, we know how pivotal that he will be to the Cardinals offense, once again, going to the season, but his health will be very important this season. Do you think that he will be an everyday player? Do you think that that's the expectation for him? If he can... If he's the DH, I, I would believe that that's the expectation. You have to believe that they gave him a lot of off-season exercises to strengthen the back. I, I know they were worried about the ability of Gorman with the back issues to stay healthy, but if you've got a guy like that, you've got to expect him to, to play every day, to play 140 games. Yeah, his position is hit. Yeah. That's yep. that's what I would tell him is that you're, you're going to find yourself in the lineup one way or another if you hit. Right. And the only thing that would concern me about him, and you, you hit on it, Randy, is he's 23. Yeah. And the back issues at 23, what's it look like at 25 or 26? That would be of concern for me. Yeah. How long has he had those issues, too? Yeah. It's, a, you know, it's about a week back. Uh, I like oh. this lineup. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a feeling that you'd find a way to sneak that in there, Randy. Do that. Off the back, oh, so off the backboard alley for Randy character right there. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I want to hear you guys' reaction to this intriguing lineup, okay? This is from the 314. Jordan Walker leading off. It's Walker, Donovan, Goldie. Gorman, Arenado, Newt hitting sixth, Contreras, Edmund, and Wynn. How do you like the 6'6", 260-pound Jordan Walker who can run leading off? I don't like that. I want to see him drive in runs. I want to see him advance what he did a year ago. I don't think 25 home runs is out of the question with a bunch of doubles. I want people in front of him 
so that I can get him to drive drive people in. But it'd be, and I, I'm not making a comparison, but it would not be unlike the Angels leading off Mike Mike Trout. It's yeah. I mean, it's something I'd look at, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't want to do that. I would say though, who is batting second in that lineup? That Goldie? was uh, Donnie mm-hmm. Donovan, Donovan Donnie okay. Baseball. Yeah, I want because he's still a young guy, and I'm talking about taking the training wheels off of him to move him up in the lineup. But in doing so, I want him to hit in front of Goldie and Arenado and get a chance to uh, to see some pitches to hit. Do you like the thing that jumped out in that lineup for me is that he separated Goldie and Arenado by putting Gorman between them. Would you ever is that something you know conceptually you like or is that kind of a weird move in your opinion? Conceptually, it makes sense because then you go righty, lefty, righty. But these two guys have been around forever. I, I don't think that that's going to make a difference. It's kind of kind of kind of a good thing that works in your head, but will never actually come out on paper. Could you know? I think it depends a lot on Gore. If you put Gorman between those two guys, just like Walker in front of those two guys, you're going to get pitches to hit. You're right. Uh, let's change things up here because there's really nothing to do with the rush hour reset. The Blues lost one nothing, and SLU lost, and uh, Illinois won. So there's your rush hour reset. Don't forget, We've, Mizzou's got Arkansas tonight. Mizzou and Arkansas tonight. <laughs> so we'll come back. We're getting a lot of response to this. We want to get your mic drops coming up with the rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carriker and Danny Mack and Matthew Rocchio. And we're continuing with an extended rush hour reset because we got a lot of text in asking everyone, what is your Cardinals lineup? Now, I've been saying opening day lineup because I think that that's pretty close to ideally what you would want for this team because... We're assuming everybody's coming into the season healthy. And we've got a lot of interesting texts to come in. And make sure you send your lineup to the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646-314-399. I'm looking at you, Randy. We're going to get this time. Yo-ho! And you can also drop a mic drop over at the 101 ESPN app. But here's a question for you guys. Do you expect, with the lineups that we were talking about earlier, more defensive consistency from this group going into the season? I would expect that the Cardinals will settle that down. And that's one of the reasons they wanted to clear out some of the outfielders. And so that, that's like a Palacios and uh, uh, an O'Neill. There are myriad reasons why those guys aren't here anymore. But presuming health, that's why they want to have Tommy Edmond in center field. They want to have Newt Barr, Edmond, and Walker. And Mo said, Dylan Carlson's going to be our fourth outfielder. They're not going to mix and match. Arnado's going to be there every day. They expect Mason Wynn to be there every day and to ascend during the season. They like Donovan at second base, gold glove uh, utility player a couple of years ago. You know Goldie's going to be at first and then probably split time, uh, maybe 110 games for Contreras behind the plate and 50 for yeah. Ivan Herrera. I would think that there will be a much more settled lineup, presuming health, than they had last year. That, to me, is the key. And health is the question going into every season for every team. If this guy stays healthy, he could have this kind of year. If player X stays healthy and on the field, this is what he can do offensively. When I looked at the Cardinals last year, I didn't see deficient defensive players. I I thought it was players that were out of position. And when you're asking guys to do things that they're not used to, 
it's hard. I also look at Jordan Walker playing right field, first yeah. time ever. The game is fast, and I think it got really quick for him. And so I think by having a consistent lineup, and I don't care where you want to put him one through nine, but consistently defensively, I think that is a big, big deal for this club. From the 636, now this is one of the lineups that you had earlier, Dan. They say, Danny Mack is smarter by getting Walker in the number two hole. Cardinals should have batted Walker higher in the lineup way more often in 2023. Unfortunately, they were again too often too busy playing the favoritism game with the wrong players too often batting ahead of Walker. Now, just focusing on the beginning part of what he said there, what do you guys think about Walker? I like the, the beginning part where he said I was smart or whatever. That was really <laughs> nice. Uh, so thank you. I, I don't agree with you respectfully just because you had a 20-year-old kid whatever he was, 20, 21-year-old mm-hmm. kid, like I said before, playing out of position to an extent. And I do believe that at times his defense carried over to his offense. So just trying to get him settled, trying to get him consistent at bats, trying to get him to learn how to play defensively in right field, all those things are real. It, it does take a toll on a player. And so by dropping him down in the lineup, I think you were trying to alleviate any more extra pressure that he put on himself. Now it's year two. I think it's different. And I also think if you're going to move him up in the lineup, you provide protection, gets more pitches to hit, and maybe has more success. And uh, I just... I think he's a really valuable middle of the lineup commodity. He might wind up in his career being a, a number two hitter, but they expect him to be a 35 to 40 home run guy. They expect him to be a big on base guy. And those are abilities that, yes, you lo- love to have the on base at the top of the lineup, but the slug is what the Cardinals are all about. And that's middle of the lineup material for him. Yeah, I could see them thinking that way too, Randy. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world to, to look at him being a power difference maker at bat in the middle of your lineup. Now, if you didn't have, uh, let's say you didn't have Arenado and Goldie or even advance the story to two years, I don't think he's your he's your second hitter in the lineup. I think he's three or four. Mm-hmm. Right. So That's it changes the, the complexion of what you're talking about. Now, with the outfield, we've talked about that going to the season, defensively of what this will look like, but what about offensively if things are not going or really getting going for these guys? How much does that affect your lineup and what does it change? I think it gives Dylan Carlson more of a shot. It does. And Burleson, too. Right. And depending on what's happening on the infield, if what happened, and they need to be really patient with Mason Wynn, right, first of all. But if Mason Wynn gets to mid-June and it's not happening and they decide, okay, we need to send him out to work on his launch angle and his walk rate, that uh, th- then maybe you do bring Edmund in to play shortstop and put Carlson in center field. But... I think there's a long leash for the two Really kids. long. Really long. Yeah. Yeah. With Mason Wynn especially because defensively you want to stay still solid. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Edmond, you don't want him playing shortstop. You want him in center. I'm with you, Ray. Now, here's the thing, though. With a young player, what you have to be very careful with is how long is that leash so that a player doesn't get buried mentally. Right. And that's always a a tricky fine line that a manager walks uh, with these players. But, uh, you know, if he's hitting 140 after three months or something like that, then you have to address it. That's something you have to look at. Yeah. What about Paul Goldschmidt? Will we be seeing maybe some load management with him this year? He's going to be, what is it, 36 years old? 36. Or he is 36 years old. Yeah. But this is also when we were talking about possible extension talks for him that still hasn't happened just yet for him. This is a prove-it year 
for Paul Goldschmidt, wouldn't you say? The underlying metrics of last year actually were very good for him. So the key, I think, if you're the Cardinals, is he is 36, free agent at the end of the year. And wait and see. Play it out. Now, mm-hmm. would it surprise me if that he gets a deal in spring training? Not in the least. No. He seems to be the kind of guy that you would extend for a couple of more years and then finish his career in St. Louis, which is as we speak and talked about the other day. It's a borderline Hall of Fame career. Give him two more years, and he's probably in if he has solid years. Yeah, but I do think, and Brooke, to your point, because you do have Jordan Walker and you do have Davis on the way and you do have Victor Scott on the way, he he does kind of have to prove that he can do it at 36 because you're in a great spot if you're the Cardinals competitively to move Walker into first base and plug in one of those young outfielders that's on the way. Makes sense. It does. And Alec Burleson, where does mm-hmm. he fit into the conversation? Right. And we tend to forget, and uh, John Denton had a great piece about him at Cardinals.com, you tend to forget that he hit 331 and led minor league baseball yeah. a couple of years ago. And he, his at-bats two years ago were sparse. Yeah. He was just a rookie. He's trying to figure it all out. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to come up and just start putting up numbers. Oh, and to hit every day, to, to hit 500 times in the minors, and then all of a sudden be a guy that's playing once a week. Tough. That's really difficult. Yep. Well, we're talking about this lineup. This came out on the YouTube chat from I Hate Paper Straws. No matter what lineup you <laughs> yeah, I agree They're with awful. him on this one. Uh, I do like how he spelled it. Uh, hate is H8. That's just old. That's, that's just a millennial old school right there. No matter what lineup you put out there, it doesn't project for a lot of run scoring. Too many OBP guys and not enough run producers. Quick question. Randy, if you have four guys and they get on, and they get on base in a row, what happens? Somebody scores. Exactly. Good things happen, typically. I just feel like that's a weird criticism. And and again, uh, if I have Goldie, Arenado, Gorman, Contreras, Walker, that's my three, four, five, six, seven. I actually do like that in terms of being able to slug and get runs home. I think the outfield collectively has to be better. I think they will. Now, we talked about Newbar being on the field has to happen but they hit a combined 246 last year the outfield average wise so take it for what you will with average some people don't care but if you look at on base percentage it was 329 that was 19th in OPS too that that collection of outfielders has to get better and if somebody doesn't produce you got a couple of guys on the bench that you, you give them a couple spot starts and all of a sudden they run with it and we tend to forget how important Brendan Donovan is to this offense. Huge. He's a he, really big part of he it. He really is. And here's a question from the 314 for you guys. With Walker and Gorman more established, Arnauto and Goldie, a good hitting catcher, they spelled God, but I mean, good hitting catcher, yeah. and no DeYoung, is this the best Cardinals lineup in the last few years? Probably is. Yeah. It's pretty good. I, I think it's got a chance, if healthy, to be really good. I, I want to go back to your point about Brendan Donovan. Okay, let me just point out, win has to be good. That's the it, win yes. has to hit. You can hide him a little bit, but not always. Right, I mean, right. if he's an automatic out, then you got problems. Yeah. But the Cards need Donovan to be healthy every day. He was exceptional mm-hmm. with runners in scoring position last year, one of the only guys that stood out in that category. He was 70% above league average. Cardinals were 19th in runs in baseball, which is overlooked. 19th in runs. I mean, yeah. you can talk about the bullpen. You can talk about the rotation, getting quality starts, but they were 19th. Mm-hmm. Overall, in in uh, in runs, I mean, that, that ain't gonna cut it. And those two young lefty hitters missed so much time. Gorman and Donovan missed so much time. They are difference makers in this lineup. That's Randy, Dan, and I'm broke. Coming up, we're gonna head to the celebrity line Ooh. to talk to our all star, Robert Thomas.
Hey, now you're an all star. You want to sing again, right? Get your game no. on. Go, Go play. play. No, no, Dan. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. no. no, no I'm, I'm the words out. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to Robert Thomas coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the Opening Drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. The opening drive on 101 ESPN. We go to the celebrity line now, and our all-star, Robert Thomas, joins us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Morning, guys. Hey, what are you looking forward to most? You've got the hockey, the three-on-three. You've got the all-star game. You're going to be able to uh, hang out at the skills competition. You're going to be in a dressing room with all of these all-stars. What part of all-star weekend are you most looking forward to? Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't know what to expect too much, but uh, I think probably the most enjoyable thing will be uh, spending the time with the family and, um, you know, getting to, to celebrate the weekend with them. Robert, a tough loss for you guys last night as you guys do go into the All-Star break. What was the feeling amongst everybody after that one? Yeah, frustrating. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we we played really well lately and, and wanted to get that last win and um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a great game by any means and, um, you know, frustrating, uh, frustrating loss. I want to ask you about the all-star game again. Number one, is there a schedule that keeps you always moving? So there's a lot of different events as Randy mentioned, and is there a player that you haven't had the chance to connect with that you'd like to just pick their brain and ask some questions to? I think the, the schedule is pretty packed, um, you know, once it kind of gets into Thursday night uh, and then Friday, Saturday, it's pretty jammed back. So, um, so yeah, I guess it, it, it's always keeping moving. Um, in terms of players, uh, there's a bunch. Uh, I'd probably get to say I know probably half of them so far at the All-Star game. So uh, it'll be nice to, to get to get to know the rest of them. Is there a player that stands out that you, uh, you want to pick their brain a little bit or just have a conversation with? I wouldn't say really one in particular. Um, I got probably three or four that uh, I'm excited to uh, to get to see. Hey, Robert, uh, your dad obviously coached you when when you were a kid, and you had the rink up in Canada. What was it like? We we haven't asked you. What was it like when you called your parents and told your dad that you'd made the All Star team? What was his reaction? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, obviously, going into the year, we knew it was in Toronto, and um, we, you know we talked about how cool that would be, and. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty awesome how it all worked out. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty exciting call, uh, calling them and then texting the whole family and, um, you know, everyone's just super happy and, and super excited. And uh, I think there's a lot of hotels booked within the, the first couple of nights of that text. Did dad or mom cry? Uh, my mom did a little bit. Uh, she's, she's a softie, so. Yeah, that is, that, that, that's the goal. If, if you can get her to cry because you made an all-star team because of something good, tears of joy, you can never go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> now, I know that there was a campaign for Jordan Bennington to also join you as an all-star, and that didn't work out. But either way, Jordan Bennington, and in general, the goaltending has just been so vital during the run that you guys had prior to that game last night. How important were the goaltenders during that run? Yeah, um, very important. Uh, obviously, you can't. You can't win without your goalies. Uh, they need to be be the best every night, and 
um, you know, they gave us a chance uh, and pretty much carried us to win those five games. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice having those timely saves and, um, you know, that's what we expect from those two guys. They're, they're high end goalies and, um, you know, we need them to win. From the outside looking in, it seems like Jordan Bennington is as stoic as it possibly can get with the media, how he handles things. Uh, and again, that's from the outside looking in. What is it like being in a locker room, though, with him and trying to give him trouble on game day? Or do you guys just leave him alone? What, what's it like being around Jordan Bennington? I mean, he's a, he's a smart, calculated guy. He always has a plan and he likes messing with people. So, um, you know, I get, you get to see a little bit of just the normal dinner and uh, funny, pretty funny dude. But uh, yeah, he loves he loves messing with people. So uh, I think that's where he gets kind of the the whole uh, persona from. Okay, so we thought it was just a media thing. Does he actually mess with you guys too? He does all the time. Uh, he, he just loves stirring the pot. He loves messing with people and. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. We had the discussion earlier, Robert, about uh, last night, notwithstanding you guys have some momentum. You, you'd, you've won five out of six, but you have injuries and you have players and you've had a brutal schedule. So the question is, and you're going to be playing in the all-star game, but it, so it's kind of different for you, but even though you can't control it, is this time off good or bad for the blues? You've got momentum, but you've also got some guys that are, are dinged up and probably worn down. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's good. Um, you know, our schedule, with travel, and stuff, especially the last two weeks, has been uh, pretty grueling. And um, you know, I think we played what was it thirteen and you know twenty six days. So that's a it's a pretty hefty schedule with uh, with travel. So uh, I think the break will be really nice for guys to get rejuvenated. And uh, I mean, that schedule doesn't stop until the end of the year. Um, coming back from break, it's uh, ton of games, ton of travel. We got two big road trips and, um, you know, those things are, are hard on your body. So uh, it'll be important to, to get rested up and get ready to go for them. Now, I know you wouldn't trade anything for, you know, being an all-star and being able to go to Canada, but is there one trip that one of your teammates is taking during this all-star break that you're just a little bit jealous of that you wish you could be going on? Uh, yeah, there's a couple, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the islands people are going to, um, I was joking with a couple of guys that, um, you know, I'd have a groin injury and I'll just take their reservation and switch with them. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was a pretty funny joke for the last week. So guys are, guys are pretty mad at me about that. So, um, but yeah, no, there's a couple of St. Lucia, Bahamas. So, um, pretty happy for them once the all-star game is done the festivities are done there's still a little time away will you spend that as you mentioned with family or do you get back on the ice a little bit and just make sure that uh, you're ready to go here for the second half yeah uh, i probably won't go on the ice after the all-star game um gonna head down get a little sun and um get a couple rounds of golfing so good for you like that's all i got all right, uh, Robert, I'm going to give you the six different competitions, and you're going to participate in four of the All-Star Skills competitions. I want to know which one you think you have the best chance to win. Fastest skater, the hardest shot, stick oh. handling, one-timers, passing challenge, or accuracy shooting. I think I know, but tell us what one you have the best chance to win. Uh, well, I'll start with the ones that have zero chance to win, and that's probably the hardest shot and the fastest skater. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So I guess the stick handling, accuracy shooting, and the passing one. 
and I can't remember. Was the last one one timers? Uh, yeah, one timers. Yeah, I don't. I don't stand a chance in that one. Okay, I think you're going to win the passing challenge. Uh, we'll see. There's some. There's some good passes out there. So. How much pride do you take in that, though? Because uh, you've heard us. Heck, we've asked you, but everybody in the world has said, "Robert, you got to shoot more." But you love to pass, and you're you're a great disher. How much pride do you take in your passing ability? Yeah, um, you know, I love it. I think um, just as a kid, you you love making those sweet passes to you know tapping goals, and yeah, sometimes they don't work out. But um, you know, that's just the love of the game. And um, you know, when you when you score one of those, there's there's not much, not many feelings that are better than that. So um, just something you know, it's just like being a kid and being out there and, and trying to make some sweet plays. So uh, that's all it is. So what's better, a sweet pass or a sweet goal? Probably a sweet pass. Yeah, that's how a lot of guys say it too. Yep, yep. And you worked with Adam Oates. Adam Oates might be the best. All due respect to Wayne Gretzky. Okay, maybe the second best passer in the history of the league. How, what'd you take from him, from Oatesy? Yeah, a lot. Um, you know, there's there's certain things, whether it's positioning, what to look for, and um, honestly, the biggest thing was just slowing down a little. It's kind of funny to say, but um, when you slow down, the lanes open up, and uh, I think that's a big thing I found this year is. Sometimes flying around at 100 miles an hour is not the best thing, and uh, it's kind of funny to say, but uh, when you when you see it happen, it actually uh, it, it seems to be working out pretty good. It's working out great. Hey, Robert, we're so thrilled for you, but so thrilled especially that it's in Toronto and that your family and friends are going to be able to, to see you in the All-Star Game. Have a great time in the competition. As St. Louisans, all of us, uh, we couldn't be prouder to have you representing our town and our team. Thank you very much, and have a great time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. That's Robert Thomas joining us, as he does every week here on 101 ESPN. We didn't ask him about the Robbie Tommy thing. No, we'll wait until after the... We don't want to mess... He'll be thinking about it during this uh, passing right. challenge. Yeah, yeah you don't yeah, want to mess right. with that. No, the success you don't want to mess that with that. No. no. Did Matthew's chair just break? Are you okay? Matthew, Matthew <laughs> uh, is putting a bag back okay. together, maybe? I think the bag fell. Okay. These, so these chairs, good. I will say, have seen and have been through a lot when you, when you look at them. So one time, and Mike Ryder is here. He's our executive producer. He was the board operator in the fast lane. And Brad Thompson, as you know, has an has a, a propensity to pull off a practical joke now and then. The birthday boy, Brad Thompson, forty two today. Happy birthday, BT. One time during a break. Mike Ryder left the room for some reason, and BT went over and unscrewed the screws in Mike's chair. Oh, no. <laughs> and Mike came back and tried to sit down, and this chair basically exploded. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's so, yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, BT was, he chuckled about it. I had nothing to do with it. I would have never done something like that. No. Did, Mike, did Mike chuckle? No, he didn't really yeah, chuckle. Yeah, he didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I can take a lot of jokes, but if that happens to me, I'm going to be... I'm putting a chair part through a window. It's okay. kind of funny. Come on. I got to tell you guys a quick story, okay? Okay. So when the Rams were here, Chris Long and William Hayes, his best buddy on the team, were going to pull a prank on James Laurinaitis. And James Laurinaitis had a new car. And they went to the post office to get a bunch of packing peanuts and fill up James' car with packing peanuts. Well, they go into the post office in Earth City, and they hear crickets. And so a guy from a bait shop had ordered 30,000 crickets Crickets. to sell. And Chris and William, the guy's in there picking them up. And Chris says, hey, how much for us to buy 10,000 of those? And the guy gave him a price. They had a lot of money. They didn't care. So they buy 10,000 crickets. 
They go back and they put him into Laurenitis' oh. car. <gasps> so did it uh, ruin the car? It kind of did, and they didn't think about this, but the crickets got into the ventilation exactly. system and started dying and smelling <laughs> horrible. Oh, my gosh. The kicker. There's security cameras at the Rams Park parking lot, okay? And they go into the security guy's office, uh, William and Chris, and they're watching this happen. They're watching themselves put these crickets in the car, and William Hayes is saying, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then yeah, they had to help James return the car and pay for it because they, they did. They ruined the car. That's an expensive <gasps> Prank. Oh, Chris has some ex- expensive pranks. Man. I'm sure he does. And, and can afford to do it. Oh, yeah. Yes. No problem. Yeah, the all-time. And we'll just get the video of the Christmas, or the audio of the of the, the Christmas one, because that was the best. When uh, he t- all the rookie DB's cars had houses built around them while the Rams were on the road one time. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. That's good great. stuff. That's yeah. good. Uh, That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Tom Brady's going to Fox as their lead analyst. Will his presence cost, cause anyone to tune in? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, especially at this time of year, do you guys ever tune into a football game and even consider or care about who the broadcasters are? I tune in for the games, and I don't even really consider the broadcasters. I don't really... uh, Maybe I don't pay enough attention to them, but I would never tune out of a broadcast because of the broadcaster or tune into a broadcast because of the the analyst. No, I I don't think so either. I mean, I definitely have my preferences of maybe my favorite analysts out there. I'm sure all you guys have that, right? Like you have the guys that you like, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily tune in just for that specific person. Like Jim Nance is one of my favorite announcers of all time. I like listening to him a lot. But I wouldn't necessarily turn in just for him or tune in just for him. It would bother me if Jim Nance was not on the Masters. That's true. He, to me, makes the Masters. I love the Masters. me, though? (laughs) And here is Randy on number 14. Yeah, I know. Dan, 137 to the pin. (laughs) Wind is left to right. Yeah. That's so why you gotta you gotta be like that. A little, yeah. little chirpy in the background, the, the master's music. But to your point going into break about Tom Brady, I'll be interested in the first few games. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first game. And then that I wouldn't care. I, I don't I don't really care. Fox is paying him three hundred and seventy five million dollars over ten years. Thirty seven and a half million dollars a year. That's starting quarterback money. Almost starting quarterback money. And I just don't believe that he will move the needle that much to make it worth it. Our advertisers going to line up. Our ratings going to be so high that Fox will be able to make money on Tom Brady rather than having Greg Olson as their analyst. Would you think that they use him in multiple platforms? I wonder if that's part of the deal where he's got to show up on, let's say, Colin Coward's show on FS1 or something, or he's got to do some kind of pregame bit, and maybe he shows up at halftime on some of the shows. And so you utilize his name, his image, mm-hmm. as much as you can outside of just analyzing the top game every week. That could be. That, that absolutely could be. But one of the other things about Brady is that because of the success that he enjoyed with the Patriots, there are probably a lot of people that don't like him because of 
their team being victimized. Buffalo Bills fans are not going to tune in. They don't like Tom Brady. This sounds like Randy talking. It kind of is. You're, this is yeah. your personal well, affront it, to the Patriots. It, it's not. <laughs> here's my thing. I just I don't think there's a singular analyst that moves the needle that much that people are going to tune in to a mediocre game because of him or tune out of a great game because of him. I think a lot of people tuned into Tony Romo for a while there, and there's a lot of discussion now about him currently, but at the beginning, remember how much hype was around Tony Romo? Yeah. And now that he's removed from, what is he in, four or five years now? six now. Is it six? Yeah. You know, not that you're removed from the game, because the game, you can always call coaches and things of that nature, but I think what made him great was that he was still tight with some of the players and new systems and schemes and what they may do. I just wonder if he's getting that same info that he was when he was just recently out of the game. And there was a story a couple of years ago that CBS executives went out to Dallas during the offseason just to say, hey, you need to work harder. Because Troy Aikman treats every game like he's preparing to play quarterback. Yes. And Chris Collinsworth obviously puts a ton of preparation into what he does. If you look at the the top guys, they're working hard. And if the CBS people have to go to Tony Romo and say, work harder, that tells me that he's probably not working as hard as he needs to. Well, I'd assume that he is. I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of studying tape, just like he would when he was a quarterback. I just, I don't understand fully. And I think that you are right, though, Dan. Maybe the disconnect is, is that he's further removed from the game and from his playing days. Could be. Maybe could he just likes to be. go out and play golf. Well, that, <laughs> it sounds like he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be really interested in the preparation that Fox has put in to have Brady in that seat, meaning has he been sitting in a production truck and calling games with Kevin Burkhardt on film? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's different when you're a player and you go get interviewed and you give the standard answer. You're not expected to do that. When you're mm-hmm. on the games and you're on television specifically, there has to be an energy that is brought out of you. It's almost like acting to where you have to over accentuate what you're saying. Well, Tom Brady was actually on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and he was asked about being a rookie in the broadcasting world now. Spoke to a lot of broadcasters from this entire season, uh, just learning from them. People, current broadcasters, ones that have done play-by-play um, analysis. And it's been really fun. I've connected with a lot of fun people. I've got great notes. I could probably write a broadcasting playbook at this point. Um, but it's been something that I've really challenged myself. And, and I really look forward to get on there and calling games for Fox in twenty in, starting in September. I've been out to Fox Studios a few times and done some some really dry runs with Kevin, who is tremendous at what he does. I'm super excited to join an amazing team, um, Rich, Russo, Rich Russo and Richie Zions. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about football. We've talked a lot about how I see the game. And I think Greg's done an incredible job. I have so much respect for him, how he approaches his job. He's super prepared in what he does. Um, I think he does an incredible job every time he's on. I love listening to him. Um, and, and I'm just going to go in there and do the best I can do with my own perspective. And I certainly have had a unique vision and perspective of the game of 23 years. And hopefully I just can provide some insight to all the viewers yeah. and all the fans who yeah. love the I'd game, say it's love unique. the sport. Yeah, yeah, unique. <laughs> yeah, it's- yeah, I'd say. How long was that cut? Minute 10? One thing that Tom Brady is going to have to work concise. on. Well, and he, he said, um, five times. Uh, yeah. I cut out four ums. Oh, so nine times. Yes. He's going to have to work on that. 
Well, you got to be concise too. You got to say a lot in a little. In a little. Yeah, that's part of the transition of being in that seat. You can't just go on and on and on and on. And you got to pick out something that interests you, that you also think will interest the fans, and educate them. I want to be educated when I'm watching a game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that's thing. important. And I'm glad he's. I'm glad that Fox is coaching him up because Dan, your experience, you worked at the network level and the the regional level. It's not very often that analysts that come right out of the off the field or into the booth get coached. I worked with Tony Baselli on an NFL game. We actually did a Rams game and did multiple Rams broadcasts, but one in the booth with him was interesting. Is he brought in the perspective of an offensive lineman as opposed to just saying I'm the QB because majority of these guys are wide receivers QB and his percept or his view of the game and it, it translated to what they were doing offensively was through an offensive lineman and I, I just I thought that perspective was unique and I thought he was great and he's doing national radio right now the flip side of this is that Greg Olson is is so popular right now mm-hmm. and Brady's got a you know it's not like he's coming in to replace a guy that's not popular this Greg Olson is very popular right now and, and that's going to be tough and he's very good only knock I have on Greg Olson and this is such a slight knock is that he will say okay that pass was the Z227 and I'm like well I, I don't know what that is explain it to me mm-hmm. as the common fan just what it I, and I love watching games I watch a lot but just tell me what Z278 is and Dumb it down to me a little bit. Uh, I like Greg Olson a lot, too. Another person that I'm very excited to see more in the broadcast booth is Adam Wainwright. I know that kind of switching gears there, Mm -hmm. but I think that Adam Wainwright, from what we have seen in his broadcasting, does such a great job of really relating to people on all levels. And that's what you have to do, right? Because that's you don't know your full audience. It's going to be a lot of different people. And Adam will be able to teach us the game. Absolutely. The other part that he does well is that he, to his credit, was able to ingratiate himself to other people and fans across the country, number one, by his personality, but number two, getting a chance. Mm-hmm. Just going right. into the booth and calling games yeah. and being next to seasoned guys that have done this and to see how this actually works. You'd be amazed. Players have no understanding of what goes into a broadcast. None. Mm-hmm. They have no idea, and nor should they. they they're involved in what they need to do to stay on the field and to keep their jobs, but it is a different animal once you go in that booth. It's completely different. No doubt. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. We're going to head down the stretch with a little edition of um, Rock and Roll next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll. Here is Matthew. Well, I was actually in a recording studio helping Brooke out yesterday when the news broke that Tennessee was under investigation by the NCAA because of NIL-related recruiting violations. Well, we have some breaking news this morning in relation to that, as David Ubin of The Athletic is reporting that the states of Tennessee and Virginia have filed a lawsuit against the NCAA in a federal court 
uh, challenging the organization's ban on using name, image, and likeness NIL offers as a recruiting inducement. Tennessee and Virginia are seeking a temporary restraining order barring the NCAA from enforcing its NIL recruiting ban or taking any other action to prevent the prospective college athletes and transfer candidates from engaging in meaningful NIL discussions prior to enrollment. It points to the Supreme Court's 9-0 decision on Alston versus the NCAA in 2021, which ruled that the NCAA cannot limit education-related payments to student athletes. Another lawsuit against the NCAA coming for really one of the only rules that's like left in their recruiting <laughs> right. book. Yeah. And they're saying, nope, get, get rid of that one too. And the NCAA doesn't do particularly well in court either. No. <laughs> no. It, it doesn't really seem like anything ever comes from it, but I... I'm still trying to understand what fully is going on here because especially with this day and age in NIL, it's always confusing to me when I see that a team or a school university violates it because how? How how, how do you get to that point? Because that's that's what NIL is for, so that you have all this now out in the forefront, out in the open. Well, the, there is a rule that you can't try to induce a player to your university with money. You can't say, we'll pay you a million dollars to come play for us. You can say, there are great NIL opportunities available for you here, Mm -hmm. but you can't say, we'll give you a contract. Like Florida State drove a player to a booster's home and said, okay, this is what we're going to give you. And it's pretty well known that Tennessee offered Uri Collins $200,000 to go into the transfer portal and come and play for them. And then SLU had to back up the truck and and pay him to to match the offer. That's what the NCAA is uh, referring to. And Mizzou is very careful about, even off the record, about talking about offering players NIL money, a a specific amount to come and play for them. Guys, how do you screw uh, screw this thing up? I mean, honestly. If If you're a school? Yes. I don't know. I mean, I you got to be under the table, that. right? It's, it's yeah. you, You've got to just be more discreet about yes. the way you're approaching things. It is. Is Jeremy Pruitt still around handing out yeah, really. bags? Is that is that what's happening here? But there's just such a vague nature, and it's a very slippery slope where, Dan, you're right. It does have to be the correct way that you say it because NIL isn't supposed to be pay for play, but it is, right? But you can't say that? That's the part that uh, is very intriguing. Yeah, and... it. it I guess the NCAA is trying to maintain some semblance of control and order because they've lost all control and everything's out of order. So that's what the issue is. That's what it is. Because go back to December with the uh, TROs and the preliminary injunctions on the waiver players. So you you pretty much got it so that this entire year, doesn't matter how many times you transfer, even if it's twice, you're playing right now. And so they lost that one, and now they potentially could have this part challenged. My, My question is, you keep tearing away these rules. Is the NCAA anything more at that point? Just like the umbrella with which you schedule your, like, with how you like build your schedule out. Like, what is the NCAA there for if there are no more actual rules that they're enforcing? From a football perspective, the Power Five basically have their own rules, and yes. the NCAA is not even part of the discussion with the Power Five football programs. Uh, to Rock's point, I, I wondered. In 15 years, do we even talk about the NCAA? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, does it just disband and all of a sudden the Power Fives figure this thing out to where it's, let's say, somewhat equally distributed on the money that's made from the SEC to the Big 12, 
you know, it's not going to be equal, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not under the umbrella of the NCAA. But my question is then, what happens, and maybe it just goes away, to college soccer, college volleyball, college golf? Uh, maybe it's field interpreted hockey. through the own, your own conference, though. That so could you, be. You have the money coming in and then disperse it properly among your secondary sports. Right. That, that could be. But you know football programs. They aren't going to want to share. Probably not. <laughs> but that's how, you know, that's how sports, secondary sports are funded right now. Yeah. It's funded directly off of football and basketball. It is. And by the way, 85% football, 15% basketball. Probably and right. that's where the NCAA is going to, they're going to have to work on a much smaller platform than they have in the past because football is not going to be a part of it. Correct. And I think also the way that they've handled things over the years, I think, really has led to this point of where it feels like they have been discredited a lot because we brought up the Mizzou situation many different times. But to me, Mizzou did the right thing. They came forward and had all the information ready, readily available. And I felt like they got more of a slap on the wrist than anybody with some of the violations that you see. So then it makes it into why do would you even tell them the truth about anything? And I think that's something that has hurt them, the way that they've handled certain schools differently over the years and just some of the ridiculous things they've done like a few years ago when we found out that schools could offer a player a bagel but they couldn't allow yeah. the player to put peanut butter on the bagel <laughs> right uh you, i'll give you an example randy a few years ago this is probably 20 years ago there were athletes that were from inner city areas across the country playing at a particular university this university did not go to a bowl game and they couldn't fly those athletes back home for the holidays yeah that's that's insane yeah. couldn't fly athletes to a teammate's funeral yeah there's another one mm -hmm. uh, remember this is 10 years ago now it doesn't seem like it's 10 years ago maybe you're not old enough to remember this but shabazz napier of uconn yeah. coming oh. to a press conference after uconn had won the national championship saying i go to bed starving because i'm not yes. allowed to be fed yeah I remember that. Yeah, it's so the ridiculousness of the NCAA it should go away. In hindsight, it, that, that that quote right there probably should have been wraps on the whole situation. Like Shabazz yeah. Navy are saying that probably should be like, all right, we'll wrap this whole thing up this year. Come yeah. back with a better plan yeah. in a couple of years because this is not working. Yeah, we're we're getting seven billion dollars from CBS to show the NCAA basketball tournament, but we have a player going to bed starving. Every player should be thanking Ed O'Bannon, too. Yeah, they should. That's the other part. And right. If you asked a current player who's Ed O'Bannon, they probably have no idea who he is. It's like in Major League Baseball. If you asked a player today, do you know who Kurt Flood is? Yeah. No, I, I really don't. Yeah, didn't he? Uh, I don't know. Right. I mean, he did everything for these guys that what they enjoy today. And every, if you aren't aware of Ed O'Bannon, every college player that's getting NIL money, one night Ed O'Bannon was playing a video game, a video college basketball game, he was playing as himself, was not getting a dime for it. He was on the cover of the game. Yes, he was. was. not getting a dime because he signed all of his name, image, likeness rights over to the NCAA. He files a lawsuit. And the NCAA, by the way, could have settled this. And they were so arrogant and so into themselves that they took it all the way to the Supreme Court and lost. Yep. And that's why we have what we have now. And what happens this summer? The game gets re-released for the first time in over a decade. Right, it does. Yeah. And but then back. there's still disputes about the pay. Reggie Bush, mm -hmm. that whole situation yeah. with, with his Heisman. Looking back at that now. No big deal. I mean, no. his parents got a house. I mean, everybody needs to have a place to live. Right? I, I have no problem with it. No, I, well, these guys are making so much money, and we talked about the NCAA tournament and what happens with college basketball, and these kids see none of it. And That's here's, ridiculous. Here's my mm -hmm. point there. If USC went to a running back today 
and a booster wanted to give Reggie Bush's parents a house because he provided them name, image, likeness, they could do it. Exactly. And that's what you're talking about. He lost a Heisman over that. It's ridiculous. Great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, uh, who worked through a lot of stuff today. Good job by Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. What's your face? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Danny, how was it? Always great. It's always great. Always great. Thanks for providing us a... uh, Yoho. No, no problem. It was beautiful. It'll I be always look tomorrow. forward to it. it. Yeah. I don't uh, know what version I'll have. I'll have to think about it. We, we thank you for tuning in, <laughs> tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Um, have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.